Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At the Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Anthrax, Metallica, Megadeth, and Slayer. The big four of thrash metal put America on the heavy metal map and ruled the back of denim jackets everywhere from the mid-80s to the early 90s. They've made some of the best albums in metal history, including Injustice for All, Persistence of Time, Rust in Peace, and Rain in Blood. So open a cold one and turn the speakers up really loud to piss off your parents, because on this episode of Prisoners of Rock and Roll, we're talking about some of the fastest, loudest music ever made. Yeah. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Prisoners of Rock and Roll, episode 15. I'm your host, Bruce Kramer, and I'm joined tonight by my two head-banging co-hosts, Doug McCusker and Ryan McCusker. Hey, hey. Are you rocking out there? We are sponsored by McCusker's Tavern in Philadelphia, and we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast Network. So last episode, we talked about Frank Sinatra. And the Rat Pack, and tonight we're talking about the big four of thrash metal. That's how we roll. That is. We, we're shifting gears from Sammy Davis Jr. to Slayer. It's from, like going to a record shop. We have different sections, you know. From Dean Martin to Anthrax. Over the course of an episode, that, that shows that we will talk about anything. Really cool. Yeah, except for like Duran Duran and <laughs> Flock of R- Seagulls. R.E.M. Well, we know. We could talk about R.E.M. We could just trash yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. That so. never gets old. Yeah, I want to have an electric chair episode. Like we that's, do. That's like actually a really yeah. good idea. Yeah. Do an episode of just electric chairs. Yeah, we were talking about that. That's I think fun. that I think that would be a lot of fun. So I'm going to open a beer. I'm still actually still wearing my tuxedo from the Rat Pack episode, but I've just cut the sleeves off. So did you leave? I, I lost track of you there for about a week. Did you stay? I here haven't, the whole, I haven't taken le- this out. Yeah, I've actually been sleeping in the basement of the bar here. Well, so. Bruce has got these wristbands on with like nails through them. The spikes. The spikes. He's got. He's got a metal going on. If there was a definition for heavy metal, thrash metal, Bruce, you'd be it. The, the Slayer pentagram on the back of the tuxedo jacket with the sleeves kicked, cut off is really rocking. So. Is that real blood? It is real blood. Oh. Of course it is. I'm not going to ask you whose or how I got it, but, you know. Is it virgin blood? <laughs> I, again, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to plead the fifth. So, 
All right, man. So I, I think we're going to tackle this, man. We're just going to dive right in. We're going to talk a little bit about some thrash metal. These guys, dude, they, they ruled heavy metal for like a six-year window. This Doing the research for the show, it definitely was like a time machine. You go back to your like, teenager, you go back to like the 90, 91. That's when I kind of started listening to some of these bands. And um, you start getting flashbacks a little bit, you know? This was really a memory musical lanes like, yeah. i don't listen to a whole lot of this music anymore but I, this was a really it, part of my life yeah. that i listened to this stuff a lot listen to some more than others i'll definitely be yeah. honest about that you know but it's fun you know it's fun doing the the listening yeah i was listening to thrash metal pretty early in life i wasn't i was really impressed by it fast yeah i remember us being like like young, really young, and Ryan was listening to like Anthrax. Yeah, I had Anthrax. I had Metallica. So what? What? What's young? How young? Uh, you were probably twelve, about, thirteen. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I was. I think I was in high school. I, yeah. I, okay. A good friend of yeah. mine yeah. was, was really into this stuff, yeah. and that's Man, why I, I got into it. I was about twelve, thirteen years old. I was. I saw Antisocial Anthrax on MTV, and that was like the beginning of thrash metal for me. All I think right. we were just so impressed by because it, it was so different than anything else that we kind of like were exposed to especially growing up in south philly going back to that yeah we were like headbangers yeah it was like just choosing to be different you know i i I was i'm sorry go ahead i said we might as well been from mars yeah i i was thinking about this a lot like when was i getting into this stuff and i i got into it i guess kind of late it was like the early 90s and it was it was kind of starting to go away and i personally started getting even before i got into grunge i got into more like industrial music like i was really in the nine inch nails and ministry Mm -hmm. and stuff like that so like i still listened to heavy stuff it was just different so what was the band out of these four bands that you can remember buying an album first of persistence of time and rust in peace okay like i i ryan put the play ryan puts the playlist together you know and shares it and we kind of listen to it and a couple of those songs came on and i was like man i'm instantly back in high school yeah and i was really enjoying it yeah, on the playlist, I try to put songs like, if you've never heard of any Anthrax, well, we're going to show you some catchy Anthrax songs. We're going to show you some catchy Slider songs. Are there catchy Slider songs? There's some heavy-ass <laughs> Slider songs. Death Skin skin Mask is the heavy, catchy song. Yeah. <laughs> Beat the move your feet. I mean, and, and this, was, around. this was the absolute pinnacle of heavy metal, man. And this was, I was trying to trying to figure out, like, where does this fit in the bigger picture? And I guess, like... This was America's response to the, uh, I never knew this was the term, new wave of British heavy metal, N-W-O-B-H-M. Really? That Yeah, that's like a thing. Okay. And that is um, the late 70s. That's the first generation of heavy metal combined with like punk music. And that's like Motorhead, Iron Maiden, Diamond Head, and all those bands. And this was the American response to that. And I would argue that, yet again, America has one-upped the music world no you know i was one of my things i was asking myself you know is thrash metal an american thing i say yeah yes 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 like it's like what you think thrash metal is is born in the usa so and i i looked up like where like i thought the term the big four was a relatively newer thing i thought that came about when that tour came around and I was completely wrong. Okay. Okay. Well, where, where it was actually it in the in the late eighties. Kerrang, the heavy okay. metal yeah. magazine, mm-hmm. they came up with the term Big Four in the late eighties, and Kerrang also came up with the term thrash metal in nineteen eighty four about Anthrax. They, they, it's Anthrax has a song called Metal Thrashing Mad. And it, like one thing you know with Anthrax is like all these bands are different, different sides of the pentagram because there's four of them. Whatever you want to say. 
Anthrax is definitely the thrash band out of all these bands. Yeah, they like, were definitely like a skateboard thrash yeah, band. Like you have what Megadeth that was just like heavy. Metallica was like, of course, the most popular out of all of them. Slayer was kind of like the dark end of it. Megadeth was like the fast. Metallica was the pop, in my opinion. Um, but Anthrax was definitely like the thrash skateboard um, hooligan music, I guess. Well, that's the question that I have. Next, do you have to be an outsider to really understand this kind of music? Uh, like, as a, as a fan, just an outsider in life. You know, um, seems like a lot of Slayer fans, a lot of these metal fans are kind of outsiders. Like they they have nowhere to belong. I will definitely agree with you. Definitely with Anthrax and Slayer, you you have this out, outsider. You know, group personality, group people. You're hanging on the bridge, drinking like you know peach schnapps or whatever. Yeah. Metallica, pure, Metallica pure is almost a completely different on. Well, you know, like all, if, yeah, like, tier from what they are now. But when they first started, they were definitely yeah like, before outsiders, right, so like before the Black Album, before oh, any yeah. MTV videos yeah. they made. Yeah, like you know, they start getting a little bit more commercialized when Master of Puppets came out. But you know, um, Kill 'Em All. That's like a punk rock album. But, but you know, the, like with the MTV thing, like Slayer, I don't re- really remember seeing a Slayer video as a kid, but I remember seeing a Megadeth video and an Anthrax well, video. Well, we'll talk about it. I remember yeah. seeing a Slayer video. But it's like Metallica, maybe they're, they're the last ones to the dance. Maybe Slayer was with to the MTV dance, you know? Yeah. But Anthrax well, and Megadeth were definitely... Well, would you... Would, when Ryan, you just asked that. I'm, I'm thinking back to my, my youth, which is a long fucking time ago. But I'm like, I think... Like the Injustice for All T-shirts were like the first band shirts I wore. Like the first time I saw the kids wearing, yeah, wearing band shirts or the denim jackets with the stuff on the back. I think it was like Guns and Roses and Metallica were the first ones that I ever saw. Yeah, I had a Metallica patch. Um, I definitely had Anthrax pins. Yeah, you I definitely had that. an Anthrax shirt. Yeah, I had kids. an Anthrax yeah. shirt. You know, and like I said, I was like 12, 13 years old. Yeah, you know, I, and I was an outsider. Yeah, I was wearing Megadeth shirts at the time. You know, Ryan was wearing anthrax. I was just like wearing Megadeth shirts. I just loved anthrax. I thought they were like really fun guys. They were, their riffs were catchy, you know, and they didn't take themselves so seriously as the guys in Slayer takes themselves. Yeah. I, but I appreciate them more now, like looking back and yeah. you know, they weren't, they were, they were a great band. They never went away. Yeah. They, 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 they never went away. You know, maybe before you, you dive into that. So like, um, and I, we can start talking about Anthrax. I found, I always go back to like Rolling Stone and Billboard. Rolling Stone came out with a list of the 100 greatest heavy metal albums of all time. Mm-hmm. And these four bands have 11 of them. Yeah, sure. So, uh, there's but there are also the bands that, that stand the test of time in America. Yeah, anyway, absolutely. You know, metal will never die. Not these four guys. So, I mean, yeah, you, want, you want to start talking about Anthrax first? Yeah, man. Anthrax is my favorite band besides Metallica out of these guys out of all the big four. Like a lot of the bands, um, Anthrax is turning 40 this year. Um, I did see that. Along yeah. with Metallica and Slayer, yeah. they're turning 40 this year. Um, those guys are from Queens, New York. Sky Ann is the original member of that band with um, their, their drummer, um, Charlie Bennett. Yeah. But he, he's one of my favorite people in rock and oh, roll. Oh, absolutely. Who's Scott you know, Yeah, just the yeah, first, like, yeah. I was thinking about this. Like, I'm reading his book right now, Great. and I watched some interviews with him, and I, I generally want the people that make music that I like to be, like, decent people, or, like, somebody I would have a beer with. He'd probably drink me under the goddamn table, but he just, you know, he's funny. He's, he seems it. He's really yeah. smart. 
you know, he's 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 definitely somebody I would like to sit down and talk to. Yeah, like he's like to have like on our show. Yeah, it's funny, man. Yeah. When I when I posted um, on Facebook that we were doing this, a friend of mine posted a picture with him. I see and, that like a yeah. comic book, and he's sitting there just drinking a cup of coffee, and because he's a huge like comic nerd. Yeah, he's yeah, cool. He, he does seem like a cool dude to just have a conversation yeah. with. A buddy I, of mine ran into him in Disney World with his kids. He's with his kids and Scott's with his kids, and he said he's like, listen, I don't I don't mean to bother you. I know you're with uh, your kids and all that. But dude, you're fucking awesome. He's like, man, thank you. I really appreciate. Yeah. It. I'm going back watching this parade now. <laughs> you know, really cool. No, yeah. Scott Ian is the man, but the the rest of the band is the man. Um, Frankie Bell, Frankie Bello on bass. He's like a professional wrestler when he's up on yeah. stage. You know, he really brings the brings the metal to you. He brings that thrash into the band. Yeah, you like, know what I mean, he really does. You listen to some of the tracks, which I'm sure you're going to get to. Let's hear a song right now. It has Frankie bringing out Belly of the Beast. Ah. Uh. One of my favorites, man. Great bass intro. Frankie Bello was such a great bass player. Still a great bass player. Yeah, no, I, that's what you I know. mean. Like he never stopped being a great bass player. Yeah. And I, I felt like that them compared to the other three bands that the bass, especially this early stuff or that album, the bass is really, really pronounced it's, in their music. It's part of it, you know, because you know you only have Scott Ian on guitar and then you have him on bass. That's it. That's going on in that band right now. You Even know? the um, like the bass at the beginning of "Got the Time." Yeah, like the yeah. Joe Jackson cover, and like play that real fast. Like just, like just you know, we could talk over all. Yeah, but like that. But no, it's great. This is why what I mean like thrash. You know, this is thrash. This yeah. is thrash. Like yeah, and I, I think that album that you're playing that from "Persistence of Time" that came out in like ninety eighty nine. Yeah, I think that's my favorite heavy metal album. Favorite heavy metal heavy metal album of all time, or I, just by I them? Think so. Well, it might but you be... have Belly of the Beast on there, and you have you know a couple other you know. I remember yeah. really being into that album like yeah. a lot. Vulgar Display of Power from Pantera might be my favorite no, heavy yeah. metal album, but, but I I listen to that. That's thing, hey, good for you. I would just say Master of Puppets. Is my... Master of Puppets, yeah. yeah. But just firing this up and listening to it coming up, I was like, I mean, I haven't listened to this album in twenty years, but I was singing yeah. along. I knew the words, and yeah. I was pissing off my kids and my wife this week. Well, my kids were down with it. I was pissing off my wife this week, really, <laughs> really cranking it in the house. So you can't play Springsteen all the time, right? You can't right. play Springsteen all the time, right? You know, from '91 to '04, they sold 2.5 million albums in America. That's that's a lot for a little thrash band. Sure, you know, like that's not on MTV a whole lot. You know, that's basically saying like you know, like metal's dead from '91 till '95. Like metal's dead. Well, that just shows how much they gigged because they sold albums at their concerts. You know, back then, you know, you. And even today, to make money, you have to go play concerts. And I'm sure they're selling their albums at their concerts for opening up for whoever they are, just trying to get the recognition that they're getting. And, you know, that probably made up a lot of their uh, their record sales in the beginning of and, their career. And I think out of the four of them, they, they've sold the fewest albums. But yeah. they're the little brother. Yeah, like yeah. I, I, when I was doing the research, it was like Metallica sold 125 
Megadeth has sold 38 million. Slayer sold 20 million. And Anthrax has sold 10 million. Really? Slayer only sold 20 million albums? Yeah. That's well, that's kind of crazy to me. Well, it's like it's only 20 without zero airplay. Yeah, or, that's know, true. Like, they did it that's on their true. own. They're, they're but, all playing yeah. them on the radio. Um, yeah, and Anthrax, is the, they're the only band out of the four that are from the East Coast. Well, that's another thing I wanted to bring up. Do you think that we all, the three of us, really like Slay? I'm sorry, really like Anthrax is because they're from our coast and we get their sense of humor and all that? No, I like their music. Yeah, I understand that. Like, Do they have no humor? Well, the, a lot of their songs are so thrashy. I think you have to be like in the early 80s, 81, mm-hmm. 82, 83. You really had to be kind of a misfit. Yeah, to really understand, like I said earlier, you kind of have to be like yeah. an outsider. Well, that's a good point. You bring up like they were like the misfit thing. Like you know, maybe I I didn't say correctly. Like you know, their their sense of humor, but the way that their persona was and everything. No, they're like great. That. They have great sense of humor. Can we listen to "I'm the Man"? This is like the original rock rap song. Everybody thinks it's uh, "Bring the Noise," but it's actually this song. This yeah, and this is actually the first thing I ever heard from them. You know. Oh, man, what's the matter with you? Nah. I'll get it the next time. I mean, Charlie! Beat the beat, the beat you beat! The only thing hard is the smell of my feet. Don't listen up, cause you might get this. Don't play no lizard or take a chair. Damn. Come on, man, y'all. Watch the beat. I'm on the case, I'm in your face. I can give you a Oh, it's great! But they, you know that was a that's a big song for those guys, and it's really funny they made about a that. Video that, for it and everything. Yeah, and what's really funny about that? It started out probably as a joke. Oh, totally. Yeah, and totally. it just took off its own life. And they actually re-recorded that song. Do you remember Attack of the Killer Bees album? Yeah, yeah. And the Beastie Boys were on it. I'm thinking you know? like that. That makes me think of the Beastie Boys. Well, when they redid it, the Beastie Boys were on it with them on that the Attack of the Killer Bees album. Yep. Really? They're, they're, I they're listened on the to that, man. I, yeah, I probably I, broke that cassette tape so by listening to that I so much. Think, I just think early all white guys you know, rap the same kind of style. They're all from New York, They're too. all from they're the all same from kind Queens. of area, yeah. You know, they all got that, like, slang. They're, yeah. they're beatboxing you at know? some point in that song, too. They start beatboxing over it, and it was like, yeah, yeah man, that, that's like, I mean, that's so groundbreaking. I mean, that that's before Bring the Noise, like you said. I Is that before Aerosmith and Run DMC? Oh, yeah. Is, is it? it? Totally. Is it? Totally. Yeah, I'm just asking. Yeah, that's and it's like just how cutting edge that was. In that, in the the fact, like you know, they're they're playing the song and then they're like they're playing on the word, like you know, they're about to say a bad word and then they they bail out of it. And like mm. the sense of humor was such a huge part of their music at the beginning. Like they didn't sure. take themselves too seriously. Yeah, um, like I I remember seeing the video. I remember seeing on Headbangers Ball. Like I was already a fan of Anthrax, but then I seen this thing, and I was like, well, this whole rock and roll rap thing and they're making a joke out of it but who would have known like maybe like five years later they would have this huge hit out of something serious yeah and like and i mean their name is anthrax you know it's like oh it's this thing that will kill you and they took some shit like yeah after 9-11 yeah. right yeah. like well, there was like the senator stuff and they asked him to change their name but it's like they have this this heavy name but they're having a good time and they're playing yeah, around yeah. with it. They're not taking themselves too seriously. No, they they write songs about Stephen King novels. That's they, true. They yeah. they write songs about comic book characters. Right. Yeah. You know, like, uh, on the laws about Judge Dredd. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, Scott came up with the name in Bioclass. Yeah. You know, yeah, he thought it was like really. He thought cool. it was really cool. And um, what was it like a a 
uh, animal flesh eating bacteria. Yeah, he, I think he's, yeah, he just said he said, he said it was an animal. He said he said it sounded sufficiently evil. Yeah. <laughs> I had it written down. He's the best. If you see him now, he's like adopted the pentagram. Yeah, like they all have in that band. It's like their their actual logo. There are yeah. They're... Scott's an interesting dude, man. He's he really is. Um, he had a side project with Charlie that was something that over everybody's head. It was called Stormtroopers of Death, and it was an underground thing. They were called SOD. Okay, I remember they they um it was Scott Charlie. Their original bass player, I don't know his name, and they had a singer. Bruce, I put a song on there. And yeah, let's check it out. It's called Pussy Whipped. <laughs> and it's total Scott Ian. Yeah, that's my kind of song. Scott, like, you know, you just got to Do you ever think, okay, you know, we'll talk about the other bands later. Do you think that Scott Ian gets the credit for his guitar playing? No, I think Scott Ian gets the credit just being Scott Ian. Yeah, I, yeah. he's like, more of a personality than an actual known even, for his guitar his playing. Because he's I mean, amazing. Just, I mean, even his book says, like, from that guy in Anthrax. Yeah. Like, ever, like, you see him and you're like, oh, it's that guy. Because he's got the goatee and the shaved head. And He said he, he wishes people knew the band more than he they knew him. Yeah, he's like, definitely the face. He was like, you know who I am, but you don't have any idea of my name and my band. Yeah. It's like, you know, he, he was just on um, reality TV so much, probably through the last 20 years. Everybody knows who he is. Speaking of reality TV, you know who he's married to? Who is he married to? He's married to Meatloaf's daughter. It's amazing that Meatloaf yeah, is your Pearl. father-in-law. She's hot. Pearl's hot. Yeah, yeah Pearl. She, she kind of has like a Janis, Janis Joplin thing going on. And he Pearl, back, yeah. Pearl Loaf? Pearl Loaf. <laughs> yeah, Pearl Loaf. So I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. But uh, Bruce, you were talking about when they were married or- Married with children. Oh my uh, god! Yeah. So I mean, I I was a huge. I still think Married Children is one of the funniest yeah, shows yeah, of all time. And it's actually pretty funny. So they yeah they're on an episode of Married Children. They enter a contest that called uh, have dinner with Anthrax. Yeah, yeah. And Anthrax comes to their house, and they're bored as hell because there's a really big snowstorm in Chicago, so none of the no, no nobody else can come. And then they play. Um, they play one of the songs and they trashed her house. That came out of a real moment where VH1 had a contest. Oh, so no. You could win and Anthrax would go to your house and would trash your house. Well, it was would... actually Headbangers Ball. Headbangers Ball. Yeah, yeah. It was a VH1. Yeah, yeah. It was okay. Headbangers Ball. But the reason why they trashed the house because they were tripping because they ate the mystery meat in the uh, refrigerator. In the refrigerator. Yeah. In the marriage Wait, let's order. jam. Yeah. It was so – I watched it today and it's like at one point like uh, Al Bundy comes home and the guitar is stuck through the drywall yeah, yeah, and he yeah. just like plucks the guitar. Yeah. It was awesome. If you look on YouTube, there is footage from that actual contest that Anthrax did with Headbangers Ball. They went to these poor families' house, and the family was like, "Yeah, do whatever you want." They're like, "There's this big fucking saw," so they start sawing the fucking really house in half, kind of thing. And they're like all like laughing, and they're running through the house, and they're all, the people that own the house are all for it, and they're like they're like kids in a candy store. What did, did MTV say? Like, oh, listen, we're going to remodel your house. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. When we air this episode, you definitely have to put that 
on uh, you definitely yeah, have there's to share a lot of, There's a lot of supporting yeah. stuff we need to share there's for this. so much fun stuff um you know what else what i thought was really interesting i was reading about dan spitz he was the lead guitar player Yeah, i like danny he and he he left the band in 1995 to become a watchmaker yeah he's, a, I, he's an ass he got a full scholarship from a watchmaking school in Switzerland and has a degree in microengineering. It doesn't sound like an ass to me. Yeah. It sounds like he makes and a lot he, of money. And then he he started a band. He comes. He came back in 2005 to 2008. In 2010, he started a Christian metal band called Red Lamb. Yeah, he sounds like an ass to me. That, that <laughs> Dave Mustaine was briefly in, and he wrote all these songs about like autism awareness. Okay. It was really weird, man. I was like, I'm going to leave this heavy metal band. I'm going to become a watchmaker. He got back together with them, though. Yeah, briefly. Yeah, yeah. And he and uh, he rocked it. Well, that's like another good thing about Anthrax. Like they, uh, the doors were never closed on that band. Like if like like how you said that guy came back into the band and everything like that. Yeah, it's a couple of things that happened they, like that. With they them. were like he was in the band real fast, and then him and Charlie went head to head about something, and they never got along. So they were like, and Scott Ian just finally said, "You know what? You, you're such a rock star." The, you know, Spence, they were always like, you have such an attitude of a rock star. We're not rock stars here. Yeah. We're, we're a band. You. We're a punk rock band. Now, saying that, let's talk about Joey Belladonna. Yeah. He, yes. Uh, I have a love-hate relationship with him. Some stuff that he, that some songs that he sings on, I'm like, this is great. And some stuff, I'm like, I I just can't with this guy anymore. I, I love Joey Belladonna. That is anthrax to me. Um, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think that's yeah. thrash metal to me. But Doug, you were talking a little bit about John Bush, the other the other singer they get from like the mid '90s and a couple albums. Like we're setting up all of our gear this today. You were talking about him. Yeah, the three albums that he made were The Sound of White Noise, Stomp Four Four Two, and Volume Eight. I just loved the direction that they went into. It became a completely different band. Yeah. You know, um, maybe a little bit, just listen to the sound of the white noise, maybe a little bit of influence for that Allison Change grunge kind of sound. But, you know, we were talking before the show started and Ryan's like, if you called it any other band, it would probably, it probably would have worked. And it kind of did work. They just wanted, they put out a live album between the two albums, two or three albums. And they didn't want to get Joey back in the band and do a tour. I just don't think the record company got behind them. Like when Stomp, uh, when Stop 442 came out. Yeah. We were working in a record store then. We were. And it, they got no love from the record company at but, all. But the one song that they, they're they known for during that era is only. Can we play a little bit of that? Yeah, sure. So they got John from this band called Armored Saint. Yeah, did you ever listen to them? I, I listened to a little bit of it today, but they were around just as long as any of these four bands that we're talking about. And one thing I, I found out today that kind of blew my mind, John was invited to sing for Metallica, even after recording the Kill Em All album. James Hetfield was very unsure of his singing abilities. Really? And um, Jim, James Hetfield was like a head, like he had a lot of doubts. He's himself. out of his mind. Yeah, and he wanted to play more guitar on it, but um, John... Was like, no, he wanted to stay in the Armored Saints because it was a childhood friends and he felt like he could do it. But like, the like, Hetfield asked him himself to do it. 
Oh, you know, good thing he didn't though. Yeah, because no. James really came a long way. In yeah, a, a very short time he came yeah. a long he way. He fell his own. He always what, had, yeah. He always yeah. had that, that self confidence thing in the beginning. Um, I think all these bands kind of got give it up to a guy named Johnny Z from Megaforce Records. He's the guy that signed uh, Anthrax. Mm-hmm. He's the first guy to sign Metallica. He like discovered Metallica. And he's a New York guy, right? He's a New York yeah. guy. That's why they came to New York. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, um, he came up a couple times in my notes. I didn't write anything down about him, yeah. but I, he came up as I was reading. Dude, they want to put like people in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They should put this guy in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like okay. maybe twenty something years from now. Okay. They'll like give him all, like an induction, like you know how they do with like Clive Davis yeah. or something yeah. like that. This guy invented thrash metal. So he he discovered these two bands. Yeah. Well, like, I think he mm. discovered no, he discovered them and he knew about Megadeth. Yeah, I don't think they're all Metal Blade Records. Right. But, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, the, that uh, would kind of make sense, though. You know. And going back to John Bush, I mean, that, that album, The Sound of White Noise, that was the highest album that they ever put out. It went to seven on the Billboard chart. And if, and I, you know, talk, over the years, talking to Anthrax fans, I never heard one Anthrax fan who didn't like that album. No, Some even said it's their best album. I was such a big fan of Persistence of Time and these yeah. other albums yeah. that the sound was so different that I remember being like, oh man, that's a bummer. It was it's kind of a let down for you. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like, but as we were, as I was listening to some of the stuff driving, driving down here and I was like, man, it made me, it made me think of like Helmet or, you know, Doug, you mentioned Alice in Chains yeah. and this, this first album, The Sound of White Noise was produced by a guy who worked with Alice in Chains mm-hmm. and Jane's Addiction. And as that clip we just played, I was like, man, that sounds like Lane Stale. Yeah. Well, that was, that came out like 91, 92. Sound of White Noise? Yeah. Uh, 93. Oh, okay. May so it was 93. Yeah. So you got to think about what's going on in music right there. Everything was changing. Yeah. I think Anthrax they were like, change. yo, yeah. you know, I, to me, Joey Belladonna is Anthrax. I don't, can, can we play one of his songs? Yeah, sure, man. What do you want to hear? Can we play um, Indians? Yes. I love it. I love Joey Belladonna. Yeah, the yeah the mix is great. Like sitting here with the headphones on, you hear everything. Yeah. You know, but like they, I, their mix is great. I could just see Scott Ian doing his stomp dance. Yeah, you know, he's he's that most and that, that guy. song. I mean, that was on Among the Living, so that came out in '87, man. And they're singing about like, and I guess by then they get the reputation. They're they're kind of funny. Yeah, they're they're stuffs about comic book songs and yeah, or their songs are about some comic book characters. But they're they're writing about something like. The plate of Native Americans. Sure, you know it's yeah. like I remember that being big when that song was out. Like I remember that that was that, a big video. Yeah, yeah, that was a big. But nice. that, like in the video, they had the mosh pit and it was like in a circle, circle. and they had the camera. And the kids are like running around yeah. with it, looking up. Um, Joey Baldano was on somebody's shoulders with the headdress yeah, on. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a little clowny to me. Sometimes. I love him. I, it, he is yeah. the nicest guy in rock and roll, man. Like he gets the crowd going. I I watched a lot of Anthrax this week um, mm. from 2019. There's nobody gets the crowd up like he does. He loves it. 
And sure, like he he totally smiles the whole time. Hey guys, how you doing? Hey man, smoke up. Everybody have a good <laughs> he's time. They're having a party. Yeah, yeah he's a, he's the he, he's like always like pointing at people and yeah. go rock on, you know. Like then like you got John Bush up there being like I'm the coolest guy around. I don't know John Bush you know? is pretty good. I watched. Do you want to hear stuff. a good story, John Bush? John Bush made three fucking great albums with with Anthrax. Mm. Stop four forty two. Volume eight, sound of white noise, sound, sound of white noise, and volume eight. These are great albums. Um, a few of these songs on these albums, Dimebag Daryl played on. Okay, yeah, um, from Pantera. From Pantera, they were he was like the honorary member of Anthrax um, back when these albums were being made. You know, if you don't know who Dimebag Daryl is, he's the guitar player from Pantera. That <laughs> he was the greatest guitar player of all time. Guitar players of all time, and was tragically killed. On stage. stage by a fucking psychopath, um, pretty heartbreaking. But I never knew he had such a close relationship with Anthrax that they put him on his albums. Well, that's, a, that's the thing with all, like the guys in Anthrax, and especially a guy like Dimebag. They're they're so personal people, dude. Like like just so personal people. Now, you know? if there was a band, this song I'm going to show you. Now, this could have been a band with Dimebag on guitar. Charlie on drums, Scott on guitar, Frankie Bello on bass, and John on on vocals. And they call it another band. Okay, dude, it'd be fucking unreal, dude. This is a song called "Riding Shotgun." Man, I wish the beginning of that song could be our theme music. Uh, It's great, man. Ultimately, Dime did like six songs out of three albums. Mm -hmm. Um, The White Noise wasn't one of them. Okay. Um, It was three later albums. Um, But God, can you imagine if that was a side project? It's great. You could totally hear him on it. You could tell his personality is definitely. He did a lot of of, um, songwriting with those guys. Sure. um, During the John Bush period. That's great. I mean, I if, they were, if they were just called something else and that dime in the bag, dime bag in the band, yeah, they would have been fucking they would, killer. Yeah, they would have killed yeah I mean, yeah. we were just playing that, and as I was playing, I mean, Ryan just was like, "That sounds like a Pantera song, man." Yeah, yeah. I was like, "That was really cool." I mean, Scott Ian was really close with Dime Bag. Um, you're reading his book right now, aren't yeah. you, Bruce? Yeah. Yes, I, I read his I read his book last year, and he said uh, he went to Dime Bag when he wanted to learn how to drink. Sure. He's like, I want to learn how to drink like a man. So sure I want one person to teach me how yeah. to drink, and it was Dime. I'm sure he's more happy to, to help. Oh, no, Dime out with was that. like, he's step on up, cowboy. Yeah, yeah he's definitely. you know. Um, but you, one of my favorite uh, guitar magazine covers of all time is Scott and Dimebag with Ace Frehley, and both those guys have on the Ace Frehley makeup oh, right. on the cover. It's great. I wish I still had it. You know, we went to the Big Four. It was September fifteenth, two thousand eleven. That was 10 years ago, That's dude. That's unbelievable. It was at Yankee Stadium. It was now, unbelievable. Now, Ryan's got this really good story. I don't know if, Bruce, I don't know if you ever heard Scott Ian's New York Yankee story. Yes. Yes. Have yes. you ever heard it? Yeah. But, um, yeah, Scott Ian has a very long history with 
the New York Yankees, starting with him breaking into their spring training field and stealing um, their like, batting warm-up box circle. And he was completely annihilated. Was he drunk? Oh, he was, he was annihilated. He was, yeah. he was really drunk, and he wanted to go see a statue to um, Thurman Munson, who died in yeah. a plane crash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, right. and he was just like, you know, they locked him up. And for years, Steinbrenner wouldn't let it go. Like, right. for years. And then finally, Steinbrenner was on on Stern. And and Scott Ian got on. And he was like, listen. Were they both sitting on the couch at the same time? No. Uh, Scott Ian called, called on the in. phone. He's like, listen, yeah, yeah. you're really jamming me up. Yeah, I'm, you, I'm a diehard Yankees I'm fan. I'm a diehard Yankees fan. I'm this, this, that, that. I, you, know. you can't ban me forever, and, man. And, and then he was like, and Scott, well, we can't ban one of our best fans, can we, Howard? Yeah. And then he, he, he left. Charges uh, go I, I, and I literally read this last night, the story yeah. in the book. So, like, yeah, yeah, he gets all hammered and they go in, he breaks in because he wants to see the Thurman Munson statue and he's running around the bases and he slides into home plate head first. He <laughs> says, like, 2 30 in the morning. Yeah. And he sees the, the batter circle and yeah. he's like, Dude, this could be in the background of all of our concerts. <laughs> this is a great idea. <laughs> but he realized it weighs like 200 pounds yeah. and he can't get it. And by the time he walks out, there's like the cops are everywhere. And I guess one of the cops were like, you're the dude from Anthrax, aren't you? And he's like, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't like throwing that around, <laughs> yeah. but I am. Can you do anything for me, Anthrax buddy dude? I, yeah, I'll send you some merch. And he said they, they called Steinbrenner, and they were like, we arrested this guy. He's a famous musician. And Steinbrenner was like, I don't, I don't give an F who he is. Yeah. He goes to jail. Yeah, yeah. we're going to make an example out of him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it went yeah. on for years. Yeah. And, it, then, it, and it, then, well, they said Scott Ian got out of jail like the next day. And was like in the airport to fly home, and he said people were stopping him, like you got arrested last night. He said like he was driving, like they got him out of jail the next morning, and he was, he was driving back to his buddy's house. It was on the radio. They were like, Scotty, and if you're still in town, call in because we want to hear what happened to you. He said he was in jail with like some Anthrax fan, like a few guys. And he said he had a good bathroom, like, really bad, and he was he was just like. Talked about it in the book. Like I felt for him. He was, we've to, all yeah. been there. We've he, all been he, to the he, place where yeah, he he uh, yeah, he came up with a story to go in the infirmary because they had a private bathroom because they didn't want to use the toilet. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to poop in front of yeah, yeah, yeah. My fans. some of my fans and shit. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy that they they played Yankee Stadium. But like I remember going to that show and especially Anthrax came on and I turned turned over to Ryan. I'm like, George is rolling in his grave because it was right after he died, dude. And they were just you know they're. You know, yeah. I, I've been an Anthrax fan basically my whole life. Um, on September fifteenth, two thousand eleven, was Anthrax Day in the in New York City in the Bronx. That's a big thing. Anthrax Day, dude. Yeah. dude no, it was a huge. With the key, with the key at the I, end of their set, it's dude, it's listen, great. Listen, I was on the field for that, and I was maybe about like maybe about like maybe a. Across the street from them, we'll say. I felt so awesome for those guys. Sure. Like, if I ever met Scott Ian, I'd be like, dude, I was there when you guys were Anthrax yeah. Day and I had the look on your face. Like, here's like these guys. They were a bunch of nobodies. It's like, their backyard. They're playing their backyard, yeah, basically. Yeah. But for you know, them to get the key to the no, fucking town. I, I agree with you. And for, and for any of those bands that played that day, I was more happy for them than any of them because it meant more to them to play Yankee Stadium. Oh, dude, than, than it was amazing them. for them to be there. And it, it was just like Doug said, we were like, Steinbrenner's rolling in his grave right now. I'm, it's like a, it's a, week, a Wednesday afternoon yeah. and I'm standing in center field and I'm watching Anthrax. It's Anthrax Day yeah. in New York. And it was a beautiful day that day, too. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful day. It was an amazing day. That's like one of the 
first stories. They were the first band that went on that day. Very cool. They were unreal. Yeah. I have um I've a, seen them a lot. I had a couple other just minor notes about them like covering or being inspired by Stephen King novels cuz they're like Scott Ian is a huge and Scott Ian writes most of the lyrics of the music. Um that he's really into comic books and Stephen King. So like uh Among the Living is based loosely based on The Stand, which is one of my one of my favorite books, period. Um Skeleton in the Closet is from Apt Pupil. Misery Loves Company is about misery from Stephen King. It was just, it's just cool to kind of, you pick up these mm-hmm. nuggets, you hear this stuff, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, man, I get that reference to that character from that story I read. He's Jer- a smart guy. Did you ever see his library, his Stephen King library? Yeah. He has every, he has, yeah, like, really. first editions. Like, it's, it's, yeah, he's like interesting he guy. Yeah. yeah. He just loves comics and all that. You know, I just watched an interview with him, and, he, and it, dude, it was like 1988 something. Mm. And he was like, I've been waiting for this book forever to come out. And it was the killing joke. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. He, he was just like, I, remember I can't that. wait to read this. Yeah. I've been waiting for this to come out for years. Well, what's the one story? Like, another thing that I like about, he's from the same neighborhood as Gene Simmons, right? I believe so. I believe they're from the same kicking ground area. Yeah. Scott has a huge, like, Gene Simmons tattoo on his knee. He goes down his whole leg. Everything. He's a huge fan. But that on a side note, that's what I wanted to kind of talk about, too. Like they had influence from like Motorhead and everything like that, but they had a huge influence over like from Kiss. That's in my notes and, that he he said yeah. he saw Kiss when he was thirteen. He yeah. walked out and was like, "I want to go Dude, do, that. do that." But they, uh, Kiss had something on VH1, maybe oh, God knows how long it is. So it was like a tribute to Kiss. So there's Scott playing an an axe bass, like on this Kiss thing, and he is just like stomping away, just killing, like really just cool. Kill. It's really really good stuff. Can we play one more Anthrax song? Yeah, dude. Before we move on, what do you want to hear? Play fucking antisocial. Oh my god, yeah, dude. This song to me is a. This sounds so much like a punk rock song. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the definitely cover. One, yeah, it's, but it's definitely one of my favorite things they ever did. Yeah, it's but, so it's so punk rock. But it's man. thrash that goes to that. They're a thrash band. You that, know? that yeah. was the first thing I remember hearing from Anthrax yeah. was that. Yeah, that fucking beginning, that intro. What's better than that? That's a banging song. I, I really just enjoyed just talking about them because I'm again. Yeah. It was like so much music I haven't listened to in yeah. so long. They're fun. It was They're just really fun cool. Band. They're really enjoyable. Band. You know, I think I think they have one of the better logos, you know, out yeah. of the big four. You know, and yeah. they definitely have a good mascot, that, the, the not guy. The, the not guy, yeah. That I have on my You're t-shirt. You're wearing yeah. t-shirt. Yeah, I um, remember you got the shirt. I was like, that is great. Yeah. yeah um, and I, I walked in here tonight. I was, like, First thing I said to you was, that's a great shirt. You know, I just all in all, I think Anthrax has a great gimmick. Um, They're just a bunch of dudes, silly guys that make serious music when mm-hmm. they want to. Yeah. Um, they may be silly, but they take their music seriously. Sure. Yeah. Nobody's a better drummer than Charlie. And no. That's a good point. You know? Yeah. That they, there's times in their career that they shift. Like they're kind of goofy the first couple albums, and then like persistence of time comes out, and there's yeah. no like silly crap no. on that. And no. then right after that, they came out with the Attack of the Killer Bees, and it's got all kinds of goofy shit on. That's like, a fun they, album. That's a great they're, album. They're, yeah. But they know like they can double down and yeah. like buckle up. They're not 
like just goofy. All, they're yeah. not like Primus all the time. No, yeah. you know, yeah. what yeah. sold that album so much was "Bring the Noise" was on the Killer Bees album. Right, they put that on there, and that was serious. Yeah, and we played that um, and then a they, while ago, one they, of the other episodes. Man, they put just, it on like starting up a posse. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot that, about that song. That's that a great, great song. song. Yeah. And we yeah. do the episode on uh, uh, censorship and music, man. We'll we'll touch on that. Yeah. What a great, yeah, great, that whole, great, great, great. Yeah, I, I hate to say this, but are we done with the Anthrax? I love the Anthrax. I never want them to go away. Joey Belladonna is the greatest fucking singer Anthrax will ever have. That Anthrax ever had. Yeah. Okay, they're, Anthrax they're, will ever have. Okay, no, it's his band. They're two you know very, I mean? di- they're two very different bands. John Bush yeah. is a great singer. But, but, but you, Joey Belladonna is Anthrax. He do, always will be Anthrax. I do agree with you. If the band was called something else when John was in the band. And especially be, if they made they, with, with Dimebag. Dime yeah. Listeners, um, if you go to our playlist, I put six songs Anthrax did with Dimebag on our playlist. You can check them out. Awesome. Who do you want to talk about next? Let's talk about Megadeth. All right, hang on. I'm going to wipe my face with my bow tie left over from my tuxedo, <laughs> and I'm going to open another beer. Now, this band, Megadeth, they were probably... Besides Metallica, I think, you know, by the time I started listening to music, Metallica was, you know, because of one and all that. But I really dived into the Megadeth. They were like my favorite band out of all these at, you know. When? Like what album? Uh, Rust in Peace. Yeah, me too. That's that's a masterpiece. I didn't, I don't think I got like huge into them like over the arc of their career. Sure. But Rust in Peace and the album after that the countdown to extinction countdown to extinction that was a I huge knew album in and out like well, well the countdown to extinction that i think that was the the holler back to metallica black album because the metallica black album was a huge success but so was that album well if they go back and look at their commercial like success that would definitely be it countdown to extinction yeah 38 million albums sold worldwide they're, and they were like a really technical band, and I was like kind of diving into a little bit about my research and how many of the guys that are in that band or have been in that band had like jazz influences, yeah. which is just crazy. You go from like you know, I'm a jazz musician to Megadeth. Which- yeah, I mean, Nick Mason, their drummer, was a, like a fusion jazz drummer along with Marty Freeman. Marty Freeman was a guitar yeah. player. I think that's great. Was, I thought yeah. that was their best lineup. No, absolutely. Yeah. They had a million Rust- guys in that band. Yeah, and that's the Rust know. and Peace lineup, right? Yeah. With Marty Freeman. Yeah. Let's hear let's hear uh um let's hear some Marty Freeman. Let's play Holy Wars. Dude, I think Ryan and myself were on board with that, that album when it came out in 1990. Like, we probably saw it on the Headbangers Ball. Yeah. And we just jumped on board. Like, I, like listening to that makes me like think of like growing up in our childhood house playing Contra on Nintendo. And ab- listening to that playing. Absolutely, you know? man. When, you know? this, when, when Ryan put together his playlist and sent it to us and I listened to the song, I was, again, immediately back to like, yeah. I'm, I'm in high school. Yeah. And I was really digging it. And then, it, you know, the playlist jumped to another song. And I was like, oh, but no, no Hangar 18 yeah, 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 is next. Yeah. And it goes yeah. to the end of this right into that. It's all good, man. But it's so technical. Like, you listen just to the beginning of that song and everything. Like, just the, the musicianship in that band. Yeah, you know? I think Dave's the best guitar player out of all of them. 
He I might mean, be. He, he shreds. He might be. He's yeah. not melodic. Yeah. He's not. He he shreds. Did they ever put um like a bowdy kind of song out? No. Besides um, my darkest hour. Yeah, and that's a great song. Do you know about my darkest hour? No. My darkest hour is about Cliff Burton when he died. Um, this was Dave's way to cope with Cliff's death. Was to write a song called My Darkest Hour. Can we listen to a little bit of yeah, it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, if you don't know that Dave was in Metallica for a little while, and um, if you don't know Cliff Burton, Cliff Burton was the original bass player for Metallica that was killed in a bus accident that we'll talk about later. Um, but he, he was on, they were on tour with Anthrax. They were on tour yeah. with Anthrax, yeah, and they um, got a bad bus accident yeah. and killed Cliff. Well, Dave, Dave got this news in the middle of a drug binge and... Went totally numb. Yeah, Dave, yeah. Dave's like a. He seems like a really smart guy. He's too yeah, smart. He, that's why he's haunted. Yeah, you know? he right. Yeah, that's a great point. He's like too. He, that's why he's haunted. A lot of their lyrics about like politics and religion yeah. and the environment. And he's also kind of a dick. He's an angry dude, man. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, an, he's yeah. a very a, a, angry dick, maybe dude. Maybe dicks are wrong. Yeah. He's not shitbag of the week. He's yeah. just an angry guy. He's just an angry, angry guy. And he guy. was really, when he was in Metallica, he was yeah. really, like, when, when you get booted out of Metallica because yeah. you're drinking too much. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but he, had a, he had a rough childhood, um, Dave. He was brought up in a really broken home. His mother would run away from his father, like, in the middle of the night, and the father would find him, hunt him down, and, you know, abuse the shit out of them and you know dave separated from his family really young at like 15 years old dave had his own spot he was selling drugs you know he got independent really fast do you do you remember there's so there's a town out west called megadeth it's yeah. in like arizona mm-hmm. let me find it when we were working in a music store mm-hmm. brandon and i went and called the nearest sam goody and we were like are you guys near megadeth and they're like yeah like, do you have Megadeth? And they're like, yeah. We're like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like 1997. There's yeah, yeah. no cell phones. There's no, like, fuck yeah. And, it's like, and then we got all kinds of trouble because the, the long distance charge showed up on the on the phone bill. Oh well, well, it's funny. Uh, you know, Dave came up with the name Megadeth when he was taking the bus home when he got fired from Metallica. When he got fired from Metallica, he's like, oh, what time's my plane leave? Like, plane. Yeah. No, you, you, got, you got a Greyhound bus he, ticket. Five and, fucking days. Five, five days. days yeah. To go. All the way home and think about yeah. how he got thrown out of the biggest band in the world. But he even got the, he even got the name Megadeth from wait, a political was, pamphlet. Yeah, by, what was he the, the congressperson congressman? It said the arsenal of Megadeth can't be rid of no matter what peace treaties we come to. Yeah, and he was like, Dave oh, sold. That's, yeah, this sounds like Dave's career. They said, you yeah, know? he he. I guess he got he got booted out. I guess. Uh, and he's got a couple writing credits on well, Ride the Lightning. Well, Megadeth oh, kill and Meta- yeah. Kill Them All. I'm sorry. Well, Megadeth and Metallica have the same song with different lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I guess, and they boot him out, and he's like, well, I'm going to make a band that's even faster. Yeah. It is. I think they're way I think they are, too. But Dave did, like, you got to give Dave credit, man. He got lead guitar player for Metallica, gets thrown out, 
takes a five day bus ride back and then puts like Megadeth together. And in my opinion, is like Ryan said, they're a much faster band. They're definitely they're their lyrics, his lyrics are definitely more complicated than any. Yeah. Oh, he's definitely song. the smartest guy out of the big four. Yeah. Um, he political smart. He's, um, very intelligent. I think he's funny. Um, yeah, yeah. He's like, you know, yeah, yeah. He's, in his he, own way. He's like, you know? he's like, um, cynical. Yeah. He's yeah. a cynical, yeah. A cynical, yeah. sarcastic. He, yeah, we have to be very that. intelligent to get his, yeah. maybe that's why I never he got it. Not too me, intelligent. He reminds me of the neighborhood bully. Yeah, you know, he just reminds me. He reminds me of the kid, like the story you told us about he's, him growing up. He's yeah. like I could totally see that. Like he was the catcher of his his baseball team, mm. and he was infamous for blocking the plate. Sure, like he knocked kids the fuck out. So yeah. like people you know, kind of yeah. yeah, like he he would totally like um, guard home plate, and the parents hated him, and he yeah. would like flip off the fucking parents. He sounds like he's in the that. Bad News Bears, he's like Tanner. He was. The Bad That's News Bears. basically what I got. Yeah. I think he's, he's like comic book guy from The Simpsons, yeah. like just looking down on everybody. Yeah. I had a couple couple notes on like all the other musicians who almost got into Megadeth. Okay, I said that like um like Slash was jamming with them, and there was always rumors that he was going to leave Guns and Roses, and that obviously never happened. I can and see then that. at some point, he offered the gig to. Dimebag, yeah. Dimebag. Was yeah, he with turned him. it down because he wanted his brother to yeah, be in the band. His brother, like, yeah. Cool, if you could take me, you got to take my brother. And they were like, "No, we're not. No, no, no dice." And then, um, Carrie uh, King from Slayer yeah. played in a handful of gigs too. Played five gigs with him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was in the band for like a minute. Yeah, and Slayer yeah. was like, "Shit, I guess we got to look for another guitar player." And then he was like, uh, "Slayer's actually doing better. I'm going to go yeah. back to them." Yeah. yeah, and it's his band. You know, again, I think um, Megadeth has a great logo. I don't think it's the best logo out of them, but they got definitely got the best mascot. Do you know the mascot's name? I don't. Vic I, Rattlehead. You know, Vic Rattlehead. And I didn't know a lot about him, so I, I you know, I, I went down the rabbit hole doing this. That you know, I I know who it was, I mean, especially on the um, Rust in Peace album. Yeah. And they said that like, and I never looked at it real closely. Uh, first of all, the name. Do you know where the name came from? No. Go ahead. So Vic stands for victim. And Rattlehead is what Dave Mustaine's mom used to call what you would instead of headbanging. <laughs> That's great. And that the character is actually supposed to be a representation of see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. I always knew it was a skull and he's got his eyes covered, but his he has a metal visor bolted to his head, his mouth is wired shut, and there's metal plugs in his ear. And um you can actually there's actually a, a couple things on YouTube about like the uh the different representations of him, and at some point they they had like a contest to like design a modern version of the guy. And somebody he stops being like the skeleton guy and yeah. becomes like a person, and it gets kind of lame. But yeah. yeah, like one thing that I noticed they they re released like "Killing Is My Business" as "Business Is Good." So I don't know if you remember the album cover. It was just like a, like a skull, like it was actually like a real skull that somebody made with the glasses on, whatever. They re-released the album and they changed the album cover. Yeah, it was like it's really lame. That original album cover is lame. Like the, yeah, with the this, skull and it, that's it looks what I'm like it, it looks like it's homemade. But they, it, it is says, homemade. But they changed says, it and it just says like Megadeth oh, wow. over the they, top. They right? changed it completely. Yeah. Like look at this thing. Yeah, they oh, completely yeah, yeah, changed it. it to us as we're talking. Yeah, it's so weird. Like all right, Dave, this is what you probably want it to be. Yeah. He's a perfectionist. You like you know what I mean? Like, but they also they had six platinum albums. It was like. They were really that successful? Like, and you, yeah. And you said they they just won their first Grammy? Like, I know they just yeah, won a Grammy 2017. Years ago. Yeah, and that's their first Grammy? Yeah, for best metal performance. I remember them always being nominated. And I think they, like, uh, 
Rust in Peace was nominated, but they 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 lost that year. I think I read earlier there was like almost twenty nominations for Grammys and mm-hmm. you know all uh, those American Music Awards, and yeah. they never won anything. That's except crazy for two thousand seventeen. Um, that's crazy. Another great Dave in that band is Dave Ellison. He is great. Yeah. Dave He's Ellison fantastic. is one of the greatest bass players. He's fast. Around. He's fast. He was in that band for a while. He's in the band from the beginning. Yeah. The only time he ever left the band is when he sued Dave. Right. He sued Dave, won, and Dave wanted him back in the band after that. He's like, hey. It's we, only business, he's man. Like, we, it was. He's like, it's just we business. Moved, we moved forward right after that. Yeah. But, um... So if you grew up watching MTV, you know this bass line from Megadeth. Um, Dave Ellison didn't write this bass line, but he perfected it. Peace sells. Yeah. Peace sells. Hi, I'm Kurt Loder, and welcome to the news. That, I, I swear, man, I know that that's song. what it was. It's from MTV News. Is um, it really? Yeah, yeah. Play it again. Play it again, real fast. All right, Be- hang on. Beginning of opening beginning. of M- MTV News in the nineties. All right. Yeah, because you know what, man? Is, is <laughs> when this was on the playlist, I was like. I know, I know this, this song that's from why you know it. Like, yeah. Right, yeah. I was like, man, it's really in my ear. I feel real nostalgic about it. I, I hope Dave got paid by MTV for that. I'm sure he did. But you know what? Though? You know, listen to that. Listen to that song. And Dave did tackle something about his split, split personalities that he does have, and that came along with his alcoholism and his drug addiction. Yeah, you know there's I mean? one song. It's on the uh, when he refers to himself as I and everything like that. It's that's a split personality kicking in. You know, sweating bullets is like that yeah. too. When he's yeah. like, "Hello, me, me it's, it's me, me again." again. Yeah. Play that, play yeah. that. All right, let's let's listen a little bit of it. Speak of mutually assured destruction. Nice story. That was a big hit. That was a big, like big song. And yeah. I remember, I mean, I had this album when it came out, and having it with the headphones on, I just heard that, like, there's another double up of his vocals. Like, yeah. in a high, it's a slightly higher, but it's, like, way down in the mix. So mm-hmm. he's, I, yeah. I know it's about his split personality and yeah, stuff. Yeah, he's a, dude, he's a haunted person, man. Like, he's, he's just, he's an addict. And that's a yeah, highlight I mean, of his. Imagine yeah, like, all those. Um, freakouts that he had while he yeah. was on drugs. Dave just can't catch a break. He just got back. He just came back from cancer, like last year, last two years. He was selling off his guitars and everything like that, and this and that. But he beat yeah. it. He beat it. He had throat cancer, I believe. I yeah. could be wrong about that. No, I think you're right. But you know, um, Dave had a very hard, hard life, man, and still going through it. He was in rehab in like 2002. Yeah, and he and he fell asleep with his arm over the back of a chair. And he had like he was all effed up, and he passed out, and he had like nerve damage in his yeah. arm, 
and he said that he uh, he he didn't think he could play ever. He couldn't close his fist. Oh, I remember. So yeah. he actually disbanded yeah, yeah. Megadeth because yeah. he was like, I can't play yeah. anymore. And um, then I get, and it was kind of weird. They said he started working on a solo project. He taught himself how to use his hand again. Yeah. But due to his contract, he couldn't release a solo album, so he put out an album. As Megadeth, but it was just him. Tim, mm-hmm. And he said, well, if I'm going to tour for it, F it, I might as well just get the band, band back, back together. together. And it's kind of what they, it just kind of came full circle. Man, they ever made it like a, did he ever write a book? Because I He did write a book. Did he? Oh, did yeah. he? Oh, yeah. He's got to be a wild yeah, Man, can you yeah. imagine that? And yeah. he's, he's a born-again Christian now. He is. That was he, a big part of his book. Can you said, blame him, the life that he had? Yeah. Like, what? can you blame him? There's and, nothing to turn, you have nothing, when you're yeah. a junkie that bad, you have yeah. nothing else to turn it's you. It's just a faith. horrible life, yeah. And there's, there's like songs, like older songs that he said he won't play, or there's like other bands in that, that circle that would, right. they try to put on tour with him and he won't play with them. He'd be like, you yeah. know, like, not Cannibal Corpse, but right. you know, other yeah, yeah. other kind of bands that make a big deal out of that. But imagine going through his life. Okay, you have this successful band that you created out of nothing, but you're always in the shadow of Metallica. Ugh. Can you, like, he's always beating himself off. He was already an alcoholic, but then living with that, you see the stardom that those guys got, and you're just... You're in this great band, you know, you know, and he wrote some great songs. And you're known man. for what you do by yourself, rather than the band that you're in that you did one album with. But he, um, he wrote some great political songs. Yeah, yeah. I, can I play? I'm going to play a little bit of Hangar 18 because to me that's like the beginning of that. Yeah, that is yeah. like I I love that. Press down yeah. on the gas yeah. in my car yeah. when I hear that. Play so, it. dude, right here, just just punches yeah, you in the face. Man, that, that, Dude, I will take that as an yeah. op- like that is just awesome. I was sold the first time I ever heard that in my life. Yeah, the I guitar solo that is killer. The way it just the builds chains. and builds and builds yeah. and builds. When he at the end of the song, when it's just him doing harmonics, mm-hmm. oh, it's just a great album, man. Yeah, like, I remember standing out on Yankee Stadium and like watching Dave play and like thinking about like the whole Metallica thing and everything and I was like fuck that Dave. Well that's what I was I'm, like that's you what I'm success that you he, have by he, yourself. He created his own thing like rather than being like you know under Lars, Lars Ulrich's thumb, you know, yeah. he went out and did his own thing, you know. You know, I he was very successful at it. You know, he, everybody knows if Dave, is. if Dave would have stayed in Metallica, Metallica would have been a different band. I think Dave would have just eventually left on his own. You yeah, know. Dave is a had a big ego with his drug addiction. Yeah, and they had yeah. they had a decent amount of like commercial success for a band named Megadeth. Yeah, you know, like, they were huge, and, and they they were they were a big MTV headbangers yeah. ball band. You know, MTV did a lot for Megadeth. I don't think know? anything was bigger than Symphony for Destruction. Yeah, I'm gonna play that no, for you. Yeah, please, yeah. Yeah. yeah, please. And put him in control. Watch him become a god Watch people's heads roll Roll 
Dave is a smart guy, too smart for his own good, like you said. Yeah, but it's like, you know, you made, you made a good point about, like, when that song was playing. This is, like, during the George Bush era and everything like that. And yeah. Dave, you know, was going after all this. What if Megath wrote another album after the quarantine and after everything that we sure just witnessed? Right. Can you imagine that album? But it's just, like, I hope that people that have kids today make their kids, like, introduce their kids to, like, Metallica. I really hope they introduce them to... Megadeth and Anthrax also. Yeah, I mean, you know. everybody we've played so far, my, I don't think my kids know, know a lot of Anthrax, although they do after they this should, week. Yeah, they should. They knew that song. I think they, they would like them, though. They know that yeah. that Megadeth song. I did let make them listen to uh, Milk off of the nice. Attack of the Killer Bees. Nice. You know, like that, was, yeah, yeah. that was cool. They do Parasite on there, too. By, uh, yes, by, yeah. But like one thing about Dave, did you ever hear uh, Dave's version of Anarchy in the UK? I think so. Yeah, it's it's yeah. fantastic. It got, it's one of the better covers. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely better than the Motley Crue version. Motley Crue definitely sucked. How iconic was Dave at Choose or Lose? He was a big dude, he, was a big poster, he was a big poster. He was boy a big. For that. He, yeah. I think he was a big push for MTV, and he was a fucking junkie when he was doing. But that he's shit. so political. Like he, that's, went, yeah. he was so screwed up on drugs. He was like on the campaign trail. Oh, with really? the, so imagine being with this heroin addict. I totally forgot about that, but he was like. Angry and he yeah, dude. choose or lose. This is yeah. Dave Mustaine. Yeah, he choose was a, or lose. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. But no, Dave was definitely a poster child for um for the choose or lose thing. So he's so political. Half his music is all political. Maybe one last note on them is um Dave Mustaine was in a side project called MD forty five from Lee Ving from Fear, which you guys introduced me to right on, on the punk rock episode. Right, right on. Um and I just uh it, it doesn't have a lot of plays their their biggest Listen to song on Spotify only has ninety four thousand listens, but you know just check it out a little Let's bit. Play it. You know, just kind of a nugget yeah. and tie a couple episodes together that we talked about. So I, I had no, I had never heard Fear before. You guys brought him up on that other, the punk rock episode. I was um, listening to a lot of Megadeth this week, and I found this song. It's a, it's a nugget. We're talking about nuggets. Um, I believe this song came out in like '95. So the Black album's out by now. Sure, and you yeah. know, a couple albums, a couple are up, albums yeah, are out. Are so Metallica is yeah. very successful. Why they're doing their melodic thing mm-hmm. now? Dave puts this song out. And it's a fucking chainsaw, man. Okay. It's called Train of Consequences. Right on. That Isn't that little, great? That little guitar thing with the basement—that's yeah. really, that's really. Killer. It's such a different. It's a, it's a little different than what 
Megadeth usually does. That's why I enjoy that song. That's why it was cool because yeah. like Metallica was like cutting their hair and yeah. being artist. And Dave's yeah. like, fuck that. I'm yeah. going to put this killer it, song it's out. Like, it's yeah. like a little poppy, then it gets like really heavy and fast. Yeah. And like it, just it has a great like, song. It has that Dave Mustaine tone. That yeah. 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 Hopefully you guys all uh, check this stuff out, man. Like, so the playlist we're putting together has got all this stuff yeah. on it. And there's, yeah. yeah, we're all fans of this stuff. And we're still fu- we're listening to stuff that we haven't either heard in a long time or we've never heard before. But uh, one thing with uh, Megadeth and Dave, I'm kind of happy that Dave found peace with you know the guys from Metallica. And he came to you know they made a documentary a few years ago called uh, Some Kind of Monster, and I thought it was it was a little weak. But Lars and Dave go to the psychiatrist together. Is that the one where Dave's crying yeah. on it? And yeah, they, he's like, I and, just want my little Dutch friend yeah. back. And Dave felt he was really being exploited yeah. in that, right? Yeah, I, that, I believe so. It's Metallica. Of course it's exploited. Yeah. Lars they, exploits everything. Yeah. But yeah, I, but when, I, I just, I'm just happy that he found closure. Yeah. Or hopefully. Well, he did. I think, yeah. I think he's such a born again Christian. He found yeah. forgiveness in those boys. That's and good. they, when they do the, the big four jam, when they all come on stage, like he's hugging everybody, and it's he great. made a huge deal of that. Yeah. That he was, yeah, he hugs large. But, but Dave is, in my opinion, on that stage is one of the most important guys on that stage that did for what metal did. You know, he did a lot for metal. You if know? anything, Megadeth stayed true to themselves through this whole meltdown. You're a thousand percent right. They never, yep. he never sold out. No, he he never um, let me do this to make myself more yeah. famous. Yeah. Um, he did his MTV stuff, but that's okay. Everybody no, did. I mean, but he, you're right. He never really sold yeah, himself like, out. Yeah, man, you're still getting involved. Like he, yeah. he is. A, he comes he's across a as a really yeah. smart guy. Yeah, he's again, and that's why I think he has half yeah. the problems that he has. You know, you know, once you're an addict, you're always going to be an addict. Yeah. But I, I think that pushed Dave a little bit more angrier in yeah. his life. He was just so angry. But besides playing guitar, the only thing he could do is get high. Yeah. To, to to and just think about his past, I guess, with growing up. You know, imagine let, not, letting go of that shit. Like, you know? dude, like, yeah. Who else got thrown out of the biggest band in the world? You know, what his name was who? Pete Best. It's true. You know, yeah. It's like the two how biggest guys. How do you get junk? How do you get? <laughs> did he become out? a junkie? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. He's still alive. <laughs> but like, you get kicked out of the biggest band, but you yeah. come back, yeah. swinging with a heavier band than Metallica is. Yeah, you know. Dave never sold out. Yeah, I'm glad he's still around, and hopefully, he gives us some more music because I think he has a lot more interesting stuff to write about these days. Yeah, I just hope Dave never relapses again because I yeah. don't think he'll survive it. No. All right, All right, cool. So you guys want to take commercial break, and let's then we'll come it. back yeah. and we'll talk about the next two, and then let's maybe we'll close up talking about like the Big Four concert. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So awesome. All right, we'll be back. This episode of the Prisoners of Rock and Roll is brought to you by McCusker's Tavern, located at 17th and Shunk Streets in South Philadelphia. McCusker's Tavern has been in business for more than 50 years, making it the oldest bar west of Broad Street and a city known for its neighborhood watering holes. Minutes from the sports stadium, McCusker's is a great place to stop in for a few beers before or after a game or a concert. There's a reason why everyone from Philadelphia Magazine to Playboy have ranked it as one of the best dive bars in the city. Music is such an important part of McCusker's Tavern that we're actually recording this episode from there right now. They're currently closed due to the pandemic, but miss everyone and hope to see them soon. In the meantime, check them out on Facebook. That's McCusker's Tavern. All right, so we're back from the commercial break. We got two more bands to talk about. I'm going to open another cold one. Well, before we talk anything like this, I'm going to give my history lesson here. All right. Every show, I like to come up with something different. We are we here to about. educate and entertain. Yes. Guys, I'm going to ask you a question. What is it 
about the big four and the flying V guitars. I know you brought it up earlier before we start recording, and I never really paid much attention to it. When I when I see a flying V, I associate it with Randy Rhodes. You know. Well, of course, yeah, Randy Rhodes did make the flying V kind of popular in the eighties, but they were being used before. Sure. The, the, all the guys in the big four were, were using them before Randy even joined Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. You know, um, the Flying Gibson guitar was made. The Flying V Gibson guitar was made in 1958. Wow. Is yeah. it really? It's that old? It's that old. Um, originally, it was made out of mahogany. Okay. That's but, a heavy but it yeah. was really, really, really heavy. Um, so after a few different other models they made, they, they came across a tree called the Limbata tree. And it was a very light wood. Okay. Um, so out of this guitar, they made the Flying V a little bit lighter. Um, and it was Gib- you said it was Gibson? Gibson made, Gibson, the, Gibson made the original Flying V. Um, it's way before its time. I mean, it it was made to look like futuristic. Yeah, like you see, Hendrix Hendrix definitely Hendrix played one. Hendrix played a left handed one. Yeah, yeah. And you, like um, now that you said it, that uh, instrument is that old, I kind of remember seeing like black and white pictures of artists. Yeah, there's a yeah. guy, there's a gentleman called Albert King. Okay, and he's a blues guy. Okay, um, I put his song on our playlist. If you want to play it, Bruce, it gives a nice tone of the guitar. What a flying V sounds like. Yeah, that has that flying V yeah. tone. It has and a- now I think about it, I do remember seeing Ike Turner playing a flying V at, at some points. Just watching that documentary with the Tina Turner. So do they? Yeah. Do they have a different sound than other guitars? Yeah, I'm sure it has a different. It has a different tone. Does it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm Gibson not a musician. Pick, so. The Gibson pickups are like were made specially for the um, flying V. Um, they only made a hundred of these flying Vs made out of this Limbaba mm-hmm. wood. Um, it obviously it didn't take off at all. Um, the only people that played it were Albert King and Dave Davies of the Kinks. Of the Kinks. Yeah, that's right. You know, that's right. Dave yeah. Davies really played. Yeah. I see a lot of pictures yeah, of him that's with right. it. Um, and also, um, a guy named Lonnie Mack. Lonnie Mack is a white blues guy from the seventies. He was known by using the flying V. And do you know what this guy is famous for? What's I do that? not. He is one of the banjo players in Deliverance Banjo. <laughs> right on. So he's pretty famous for that. I've seen pictures of Buddy Guy playing like later in his career. Oh, yeah, Buddy playing, Guy, playing a, definitely. Playing a flying V. Um, yeah. So how did that become like iconic with thrash metal? Because it looks metal. It does, but it's like, you know, how did you I get think, from Albert King to... I don't know. Well, in, in 1979 and 82... Um, they made another run with the Flying V. It was called the V2. Um, this was very popular f- through the thrash bands, I think because it was so light. I think it was so light that they could go run up and down the neck easily. Sure. Yeah, the action is really it. good. Nice um, I never played one, but they definitely look like really comfortable guitars to play, you know. 
Um, um, of course, everybody knows about Randy Rhodes's flying V. Sure, that's that, like I said before. I that's what I when I think of metal and the flying V, I think of Randy Rhodes. Well, that was not made by Gibson. That was made by a guy named Carl Sandoval. It was custom made for Randy Rhodes. Um, a guy named Grover Jackson made the polka dot flying V. Okay, of of Randy Rhodes. Was it put out by Jackson? Jackson. Jackson put out a version later, right. which was more affordable. Right. So that's, I think, what all these metal guys were playing but, were Jackson. That Jackson one. Yeah, yeah, like all those first, like, Kirk Hammett guitars yeah. and all those, um, you know, Flying V originals that Dave was playing. Right. They were, Dave Mustaine was playing. Um, those Flying Vs were all Jacksons. When, um, the first time I've ever seen a Jackson, like, up close, uh, it was at the Hard Rock Cafe in Philadelphia. They had Randy Rhodes uh, flying, flying V at the front door. And me and Ryan played a couple of gigs there back in the day. And like me and Ryan were just kind of drooling over this Jackson flying V. And this is Randy Rhodes' guitar and all that. Yeah, it's really and cool. It's uh, it's unfortunately, it's not there anymore. Yeah, they had the case for it and they everything. Had the case and we could have stole that shit. But just the case, you know, <clears throat> you see a flying V case, it's 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 different looking. looking. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But then you get back in the dime uh dime he kind of had like a flying v his own kind of his take, own kind of his own kind of thing yeah. and that was his signature look you yeah. know it was like a double upside down flying v type thing yeah. you know dime was the man really but, cool yeah you know just a little talking about something different the flying v guitars what makes it so special i do not know maybe it's because it's so light maybe because it looks futuristic I think maybe because it just looks metal. It really has become synonymous with metal. But yeah. when you said that, that is lighter, so they could go up and down the fretboard faster. Yeah. Is like yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, that, from a technical standpoint, yeah. that sounds like it makes sense. Yeah, like Jerry King, he plays like he he's constantly playing flying yeah. bees. flying bees. Oh, all, all of them do. Yeah, I watched nothing but big four yeah. videos for the last week or so. Yeah, Kirk Hammett definitely. They yeah. all do yeah. all their careers. James Hetfield has one. Yeah. Well, know? that's he plays he plays more flying bees now. Than he's ever did in his whole career because he always played. That, he played that the Jackson. Explorer. Yeah, he he always played the yeah. Explorer. Yeah, which was like the 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 cousin version of the Flying V. Right, but you've been seeing him on stage with them lately. You know? Yeah, really cool. Yeah, Flying V. Right, there's your there's your music nerd lesson, man. That's like I said, we're here to educate and entertain. So now that we got the education out of the way, we're going to talk about Slayer. Let's talk about Slayer. Is Slayer like the most like heaviest band of all time? I think they're the most um, evilest of all time, but not heaviest. I don't know. I I think heavy uh, is 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 a big wide I, range. Well, let's yeah. put it like this: when you want to scare the shit out of people, oh, yeah. and you want to clear a bar out at two o'clock in the morning, hey, you play some fucking you play Slayer. Some Slayer. Yeah, and people run out the door. Trust me, we've both done it. The bands that come out of like they give rise to. Grind, grindcore, or whatever the hell, like, mm. like Cannibal Corpse and Napalm Death and all that other. They definitely, shit. yeah, they, they definitely inspired. There was no band like Slayer yeah. before them. That's for sure. They're a band that started in 1981. Also, they're a band that's 40 years old. Sure, holy shit. And where are they out? Where Where are they from? They're from L.A. Another L.A. band. They're from L.A. Absolutely. They were very influenced by the hardcore punk scene. Sure. Yeah. You know, um, Carrie King. Um, and those guys were very into 
history, a lot of German history, yeah. a lot of horror. And you go back and you look at their t- their their t-shirts from like the eighties and nineties, and it's kind of like that World War Two Nazi like helmet, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, they say they they're not Nazis by no means. No. They like they like the history of it. Yeah, yeah, they write songs that are crazy, yeah. but a lot of their like symbolism in their band, what they sell, is definitely inspired by. It, Nazi Germany. And they're also coming up in California, too. Like, I was reading that they saw a lot of stuff was coming up with, like, the Sunset Strip band, like Van Halen and Motley Crue. Yeah. And they were like, we don't want to <laughs> do Oh, God. They, they were one that murdered them. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure they hanged out with the guys from Metallica when they were in L.A. And they were like, yeah. these guys, like... Well, they know. were like a little gang, you know, yeah. like a little social gang. Um, Slayer would write songs about serial killers any Christians, horror, murder, any topic was a song was extreme metal. Yeah. I like they like, they borrowed you know, money from Carrie King's dad to, to make, make, the first to make song. their first, <laughs> yeah. the first album. Oh, they're like that. Can we we need to uh, we need to Slayer needs your help. <laughs> Let's play a Slayer song. Let's play South of Heaven. This is a nice nice Sunday afternoon song. I'm sure our listeners, a lot of them don't know Slayer's music. They know who Slayer is, but right. they never heard any of their music. But that riff, in my opinion, in, you know, they're 40 years old. That's a classic, classic rock and roll riff, you know? Yeah, it's up there. I, um, you know, but it, it's like, you know, Motley Crue has a song like that and everything like that. Like with that mm. kind of riff, it, it's in there, trust me. Mm. But um, that's a classic riff. Like that's. That's so, a really popular right. song. Um, Slayer writes a lot of different songs. Um, they like to do history lessons also. Um, they have a song called Angel of Death, which is about Joseph Manglin, which was – he was a Nazi. The fucking lunatic that yeah. did all the medical experiments. Yeah. On, on, yeah. on all the victims yeah. of the Holocaust. They say they're not Nazis, but they're enthusiasts of like World War II um, – Anything that was evil, they were into. Um, they were basically saying we were writing songs about murder, so you wouldn't have to go out and murder anybody. Well, that's, sounds logical to me. And that song, "Angel of Death," when they put out that out, that's on uh, "Rain and Blood," yes. right? And that was um, Rick Rubin did that. They're, like they're on Def Jam, which is to me just kind of blew my mind. And, and, I like, think, and I think that's great. Like you know, like that's like the, one of the most important things that Rick Rubin ever did in my opinion back in those days with granted with the run DMC and the Beach yeah. boys and whatever Def Jam I, and whatever but for him to do Slayer but I, it's like crazy I think everybody gives Rick Rubin a little bit too much fucking credit credit try not he's to a man fucking I try not to he's well, a jerk off but, he, he does nothing shitbag of the week but Rick that, Rubin but that when they recorded that album I guess Columbia was the distributor for uh, Def Jam at the time, mm. and because of that song "Angel and Death," Angel of Death, Columbia was like, "We're not putting this album out, <laughs> no." And then Geffen came in, and Geffen was like, "All right, we'll do it." Sure. And the album wa- actually went gold, and it wound up to number ninety four on Billboard, which is like, again, man, you have never heard a friggin' Slayer song on the radio, no, anywhere. No. No. They have no record label publicity. They have no airplay. 
and they, they but you know who they are they're slayer I, you know what you know because they're such a heavy band and the topics that they sing about they're controversial so yeah you know and kids are gonna flock to that you know see i think if you're you have to be an outsider to know sure. what it's like to be an outsider to like Slayer. Any of these bands, this is the band I agree with. Well, yes. um, yeah. So this is where the line gets drawn. So I had never listened to a Slayer album in my life yeah. until this until this episode came up. And I did the research, mm. and I was like, man, dude, I am 45 years old. Sure. I'm a middle-class white dude, and I have three kids. And this is just so far beyond my, like, I'm just, I am not in that demographic anymore. And I was like, I just, I don't get, it wasn't my bag, man. I'll I tell just you don't what, get though, it. we went to that uh, Big Four show in Yankee Stadium. So it was me, Ryan, uh, Anna, and Michael Palsino, and Andrew Bavakwa. We all grew up together. So I was never a Slayer fan. So after Anthrax played, then Megadeth played. So Slayer came on. I'm not a fan. I didn't grow up listening to this music, but I understand it and I know who they are. So here's this music's going and everything like that. And I see everybody going, going crazy. crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, you had to be there. This guy behind me and I'm, you know, we're drinking day in the sun. This guy behind me goes fucking Slayer. I turned to Ryan. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Fucking Slayer. Fucking, fucking Slayer is awesome. It was like the first time when you get football, when you understand the concept You're of seeing it football. Live. You get it and you instantly get it. I'm like, Fucking Slayer's awesome. Yeah, like okay. you know that was like, and that was like eleven years ago. And yeah, that, that that switch went off in my you know, in my head. You know, you know, um, you had to be there. Yankee Stadium. The sun was going down, and you were talking about this on Facebook this week. Yeah, yeah the sun was going down, and Slayer comes on, and now all Yankee Stadium is tinted red yeah. from the lights. Yeah, and the stadium looks like hell, like. Everybody's I, I moshing. Yeah. There looks like there's little fires going on. Yeah. yeah. Um like it, it was crazy. It, it, it looks there. unfucking believable. Um the first time I've ever heard of Slayer was back in nineteen ninety one. They put an album called Out of Decade of Aggression. Again, I was watching it on Headbangers Ball and I saw this band that scared the living shit out of me. Um and they played a song called Raining Blood. Can you play it? This live version. Yeah. Live at the Lakeland Coliseum. Yeah. They're like really not the great greatest no, no, musicians, but it's it, but it's on the edge of falling apart, oh. and it's not sloppy. It's there. It's live they're, also. They're, but dude, that is the, in my opinion, the most evil song I've ever heard in my life. I associate like that song with yeah, the darkest evil. things that walk on this planet. Yeah, and I'm, you know? and I'm, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking like, how did I never? Like I, I, I don't think I've ever even listened to one of their songs until yeah. we were doing the research for the show. And I'm like, dude, I'm marginally musically astute, and I listen to almost anything. Sure. And 
there had to have been a time in my life that that came on, and I was just like, I'm not interested in that. It's like, so over a lot it, of people's heads. It might have been so yeah. over the top. It's with so, like, it's so yeah. over my head. I honestly say, I've never listened to a whole Slayer album, Dude. but I get it, I respect it, and I kind of do enjoy it, but the, yeah. d- it won't be part of me. It's not a part of me, because yeah. I don't There's, think that way. I'm there, not just, that, there just that, has to be a part of me yeah. that I just said, like, I'm just not interested, I'm not yeah. going to engage, and I just I just backed off yeah. from it. They're great, though. Um, They're great live. They um, are. The pit is unbelievable. Um, their energy I is think unreal. anything more. No thanks. <laughs> no, no, dude, maybe no. one day. No fucking way. It's like you I'm have to go. Slayer, man. You have to go. I get in my no, time fuck machine. Fuck that. <laughs> fuck that. Be a spectator. Yeah, I don't, I don't, don't think, I don't think I'll be taking my kids. Up. I don't. You know. <laughs> um, you know, I think they got one of the best drummers in heavy metal. Dave sure Navarro. The drums yeah. are great. Dave yeah. Navarro is one of the greatest drummers around, dude. Dude, he just shakes the earth. They like really, every song's like that. You they know? really screwed him over. Do you guys? Yeah. You guys, did you ever listen to Sepultura? Yeah. Yeah. When um, Soulfly, like, yeah. they had a real like Brazilian, yeah. like the drums. I like them a little bit just because of the drums and that Slayer. That's the only connection I mm. could make. It was like I was digging the drums. Dave Navarro is a great fucking drummer. Um, he's underrated by getting salary wise out of Slayer. Um, they he quit the band a few times, went back into the band, and they treating treating them as not an equal part of the band. He left the band again. Um, Kerry, so they were like a session guy. They, they were like start paying like, him as like, a session guy because he left the band because he wasn't getting any big percentage like the rest of the guys were. He was getting paid like a minimum salary. Compared to like what Kerry King was getting paid, so it's Kerry King's band. It's Kerry King's band. Whatever Kerry King says, Kerry King gets. Um, I met Kerry King. I hung out with Slayer, and it's exactly what you think it is. Well, wait, wait, wait. Like you can't just be like I hung out with Slayer and then you just move on. No. So um, the good friend of me, the good friend of mine, the Blue Meanie. Um, hey Brian, how are you? If you're listening, um, he took me to go see Slayer. Um, with Motorhead and Slipknot, it was a hell of a show. Let me tell you. Um, after the show, um, we went backstage and I hung out with Kerry King. Now we go backstage, and it's a, you say you're going to go hang out with Slayer. It's exactly what you think it is. You walk back there, and everything's black. Like <laughs> there's black sheets up and down the fucking walls. There's a skull sitting in the middle of the table. There's like all his disciples around him. They all look like like vampires, you know. Um, he pulls out all this um, this Jägermeister. And he's pouring shots of Jägermeister for everybody. Basically, like drink. You know, I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm not gonna. He like looks at me like I'm out of my fucking mind. You're like, you're not gonna have a shot of Jägermeister with me. I'm like, all right, my Jägermeister. So we're standing there, and now all of a sudden you hear Kerry start screaming at some guy. He's like, dude, what the fuck do you want from me? So I turn around and it's this British guy that's wasted and keeps on asking Carrie for a picture and for an autograph and for another picture and for another autograph. So Carrie finally had enough of, of, of it. And he was like, you know, what do you want from me, dude? You know, I did everything you want. So the guy leaves and Carrie stands there and he's looking at me and Brian and, and Mrs. Meanie Tracy and he says, guys, I'm really sorry. I'm not really like this. And I'm like, this is exactly how I thought it was going to be. And I've seen I've seen several pictures of the Blue Meanie posting like backstage with them. 
And it's like, oh, they seem like nice people. They are. Let's you know, play Raining Blood. You know, he was a really nice guy. I wouldn't want to. I didn't talk to him very much. I just I said hello to him, and I was very intimidated. Yeah, be by like, him. yes, Mister Slayer, please don't kill me. No, dude, I stood there, and I he had the chains on, like right off the stage. You know. Um, oh yeah, like the 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 thirty gauge. You know, it's not it's not a real chain. Yeah, it's not a wallet chain. No. It's like like the real Home fun. Depot heavy duty. Yeah, they're yeah. real chains. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, well, you, in, earlier in that show, you said you were kind of really up front of the stage, and you thought maybe that you had your like the music was so loud at Slayer that you- I got to the show, and I realized I was in big fucking trouble. Yeah, because we kept on getting closer and closer and closer to the stage, and when I'm walking up there, Lemmy and Motorhead are playing, and the closer I'm getting, the louder it's getting, and I didn't bring any earplugs. And I was like, this was a bad fucking idea. Yeah. So L- Lemmy just kicks ass. You know, it's the last time I ever get to see Lemmy. Um, so Slayer comes on. There's fire. There's dragons. There's murder. There's all kinds of fun <laughs> things going on. They do their shit. <laughs> then, then you have Slipknot comes out. Slipknot comes out, and we're sitting like, dude, we're sitting like third row. And I don't think you've ever seen Slipknot. They have like trash cans that they play with metal baseball bats, and they have these giant ping, ping, like almost piercing your ear, you know? So I'm standing backstage. I have a huge migraine headache, and I'm going to vomit all over fucking Kerry King, <laughs> right? I, I had to keep it together. Like, it was unbearable migraine so i finally get outside and i'm just like the the fresh air just fucking hits me and i can't even like stand up it it hurts so bad dude slayer blew my eardrums right so you were like you didn't feel safe because of the audio Dude, right, it's not. It wasn't. It, was not it, the crowd. it wasn't the pit. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't. It was the the physical impact of the sound hitting your body. It hurt. It no. it like hurt. Let's play another Slayer song. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play "Season of the Abyss." So is their gimmick is that legit? Like uh, like all their all their and I'm I'm legitimately asking. So all their stuff, the the pentagrams and the songs and the like is that legit or is that an act? I think it's pushing the envelope trying yeah. to piss people off. Yeah, yeah that's I what think I was it's wondering. Like, like are they are they trying to I think they're artists. Like I if I'm wrong, I've never heard anything negative about any of their personal lives ever. Like right, right. surface. Right. I've, yeah. right. I've never heard them like that. They're never, like yeah, like dirtbag yeah. people. And I've seen pictures of the Blue Meanie backstage with them, and they yeah. like they seem very I'm welcoming. Sure they're they're really nice. I I yeah. can't I can't say any more. Kerry King was cool to me. Right. So it was he like, yelled at somebody else, and he was so cool like, to me. Is, it, is it an act to try to be like we're going to be so far 
out there to get attention? I think, like- I think they just play heavy music. Their lyrics are kind of deep and they aim toward a surfic. A, a certain audience like i'm i'm and i, I like, that's I what they, they do like the shock value with yeah but i'm thinking like is it like alice cooper on like no i think they're more legit than alice cooper or or, or like rob zombies kind of and he's a little more cartoonish Maybe. but it was like yeah. you know like i i just think like you know when you plug your guitar and you get your guys in your band this is what comes out you know and maybe it's a byproduct of just all the crap you hear about like Rock and roll, like every bad thing you ever hear about music, mm-hmm. you know, like they they legitimately have stuff in uh the intro to the uh the intro of the first track on Hello Waits has a backwards voice just saying join us, join us. Like are they are they playing off of that scare? Yeah, or are they sure. Legitimately they want to scare it? you. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they're trying like, to be that horror movie. They're trying to do it with music. And I don't know if I'm trying to be like, oh, there's a bunch of big cuddly teddy bears. Maybe. The, no. And, and, and you know what, else, what I, I what fascinates me about these guys is like again, I'm a I, I think I know a lot about music, and I'd never heard one of their albums. And again, I that might be me just passively avoiding them just because of the you know the pentagram and all that shit. But I looked up how high on the charts every one of their albums went. And I'm just going to run through. This is the albums from 88 to 2015. I won't read the – I'll just read the the placing. 57, 40, 8, 34, 31, 28, 4, 12, and 4. Those are all like huge – I mean – They got a huge fan base, dude. With with no – like no record labels behind them. There is no social media behind most of these bands. There was no social media at all. Yeah. But I think a lot of things – like especially with a band like Slayer – you know, like we all talked about before, like how the record industry is dead and people actually don't sell units anymore. I feel that Slayer fans actually go out and get that unit, you know, get that vinyl or they get that CD. They're still part of that market, you know. I saw a thing with Kerry King said they can't keep cassette tapes on the shelf. Mm-hmm. They still sell cassette tapes. Sure. And the first thing that goes is the cassette tapes. And they, and they also amazingly get picked to be in a lot of movie soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Which is like weird because that's part of the putting together the movie soundtrack is the accessibility of the music. Sure. So I put a, a list of like movies that I knew, and there was a lo- a list that was way longer, but it was like Gremlins Two. They're on the Judgment Night soundtrack with Ice yeah, T, yeah. which yeah, is a which fantastic. Is that's a yeah. great song they do with him. They're on Spawn, Bride yeah. of Chucky, Dracula Two Thousand, Blair Witch Two, Jackass One, Jackass Two, Saw Three, and <laughs> then they're in the Guitar Hero Rock Band yeah. and Rocksmith video games. They're, they're like, dude, they're, they're everywhere, yeah. man. They're like, worldwide. Yeah. But they're the definition of heavy metal, in my opinion. They're one of them, at least, you know? They're like the pinnacle of, like, every, again, every, like, bad thing you think of, the st- all the stereotypes, that was it. And it was, and I guess there was, um, let's talk about this now, about, like, they actually got sued by, there was a, a murder. Yeah. That, it was a woman named Elise Poller, and I hope I'm saying her name right, but she was 15, and three people raped murdered her and then had sex with her corpse and these shitbags who killed her and i won't say their name said they wanted to kill her as part of a satanic ritual they said they needed to sacrifice somebody the devil so their heavy metal band would go professional and this girl's parents actually sued slayer wow saying that the songs uh post-mortem and dead skin mask told them <laughs> to commit the crimes but um so they sued basically saying that like 
yeah, dude, this stuff is is subconsciously telling people to murder everybody. Sure. And I really kind of thought the drummer for Slayer goes like, well, dude, you didn't even follow the rituals that we talked about in our music. <laughs> but the, yeah. the, judge, the judge threw it out. And yeah, was what, like, dude, there's, there is no connection here. What year was that? 1996. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, you know, well, Iron Maiden got hit with the same, Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, not Iron Maiden. Like, Judas Priest Judas got Priest. hit with the same thing, you know. So then, you well, know. well, when they filed the lawsuit, I thought it was interesting. So they, they, the, the record label comes out and goes like, "Well, dude, we put the parental advisory tickets on us. Sure, don't blame us, man. What your kid listens to." And the lawyers actually said, "Well, those stickers actually entice people. Would you see it? Go, what is that? Absolutely. I want that. That's why it's on there." Yeah, and I know we hinted about yeah. maybe doing an article or an episode on like obscenity and music, but it was yeah. like I just thought that was interesting, and it's it's a shame this poor girl got mar- uh, got murdered, murdered yeah. by. Clearly, people that are they're, just fucking losers and lunatics. Yeah. I mean, their their fans are out of their fucking. Yeah, they're minds. different. Right, they're different. I mean, you can see it. You definitely see. Like, I mean, I've seen like like we talk about outsiders. I'm like, holy shit! Nothing's more than an outsider. You see a 14 year old kid with a Slayer shirt on. Yeah. It. You know, um, and then like you know, with the man, like then Manson came along. This that there'll always be Slayer in there. Slayer's like, no the matter- father of. Of well, fucking no. darkness, the evil well, and darkness. I mean, you know? more more so than than Sabbath. Yeah, yeah. you know. Um, can we hear Dead Skin Mask? I think that was the theme of my prom. <laughs> when you said the, the name of the song, I started laughing. I was like, <laughs> "Of course, that's a Slayer's name of a Slayer song." I mean, shit, man. That's that's like a horror movie in itself. Yeah. I dig the drumming. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, those guys always been like the same band. Like, yeah. have they always, like, I'm sure members came in and out, but as a whole, have they been original, like, guys? Um, originally, most of them did stay together. Yeah. Um, like I said before, Dave Lombardo left the band, um, and then he came back. Um, did they ever say why they retired? They 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 broke I up, do right? Know, I don't do why. I know why they did. Why is that? Um I read this week was because they were getting sued by Jeff Hyman's family for royalties and for for you know the use of the name Slayer. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who passed away. He passed away. He was ha- a guitar player. Hahnemann? Hahnemann. Yes. Hahnemann. Jeff Hahnemann. He had like a like a Spider bite or yeah. something, oh, right? He yeah, got all sure. kinds, like yeah, a yeah. real messed yeah, up yeah. infection yeah, in his yeah, arm. That's right. Um, he had that infection in his arm, but he he died from like a liver. Yeah, he, yeah. He had like like a rough paper route, like drugs sure. and booze. But yeah. yeah, he had like a. But that's all. Like a big, would kill them. Yeah. Uh, huge. Like his arm was all like withered and yeah. crazy. And, How about that? Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, but they they called the quits because you know they they wanted to split the dough. They didn't want to split the dough with everybody. You know, um, as hmm. Carrie saw it, it was Carrie's band. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so Carrie said, it, "It's it's over. It's done." They wanted to spend more time with their families. Yeah, yeah you heard that, that back and forth, murdering, like uh, murdering yeah. goats. And... But I'm sure they live very normal lives. Like you say, you never hear anything like controversial about them. You know, I was um, 
always considered Slayer like this speed thrash metal. But what we're listening to, there's a lot of slow yeah, intros. It's back. Yeah, it's laid back. A lot of melodic things going on. Something, something I read when I was researching them listed all the bands that they've influenced. And I was like, I don't like a single. It was like yeah. no, Lamb, Head of, Lamb of God, yeah. Cannibal Corpse, Napalm Death. I was just kind of like, eh, eh. You know, like I, I just none of yeah, it. So it's not, yeah, I, I, honestly, I'm not a big fan of any yeah. of those bands either. All you right. Know? You but, know, I I, uh, I do like Slayer. I like them more so as I'm older now. I could pick their songs apart now and like read the lyrics and know they're talking about a history lesson. Mm-hmm. You know, um, is it is it over the top? Sure. Yeah. The songs are over the top. The images they put out are over the top. Um, should your 12-year-old kid be listening to Slayer? That's up to you. But with their success, do they belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I think it's a really cool story that they've been able yeah. to be that successful for that long with yeah. nobody behind them. Yeah. But I mean, maybe 20 years from now, they'll get in the Rock and Roll of Fame. I think Anthrax will get in there before. I hope you're right. Yeah. I mean, sure. Slayer has such a huge following. Sure. I mean, their their fans are legendary. Like you said, you just hear Slayer they, at yeah. any concert you go to. It's that's like, true. It's that's like, very true. It's like yeah. hearing Freebird. Yeah. You know, you you go you go see like the most late latest band around. You know, and mm. you hear Slayer. <laughs> yeah, Slayer's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but there is one band left to talk about in the Big Four who. Is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and we've talked about them sure a lot, a couple already times on the episodes. Show. Yeah. yeah, Metallica, Metallica, one of the biggest bands in the world that ever was. The Rolling Stones of the heavy metal. metal. One of you Absolutely. guys, we guys call them, and it's yep. dead on. Yep, they're probably will be my favorite band of all time. Definitely, yeah. Metallica is another band that turned forty this year. They're um, they're another one, man. I I just I just don't listen to that much anymore. Really, but I but I. But I was playing a lot of the stuff coming back, and I was again, man, like, oh man, dude, I remember that. Like, I was, you know, I could hear the song, and I'm immediately back in high school. Yeah, I don't know. They just traveled, like, even if the songs I heard a million times in my in my head, like I listen to them, and it's just timeless to me. Like, I don't like that's one band that I don't go back in the way back machine when I hear. I think of the now, maybe because me and Ryan have seen them so many times. Like, they're. They're a perfect heavy metal band, you know? You know, um, Lars Ulrich gets busted on all the time, you know? But I think he's growing he, business, I man. think he, yeah. well, musically, I think he does everything right with the drums. He's in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, let's play a, a song um, by Metallica. Let's play um, Master of Puppets. See how they all break in together. This is the typical Metallica sound. Mm-hmm. You know, again, all these bands have these huge intros, you know, these huge instrumental intros before they even get to the lyrics. Like one thing about Metallica is that they, up until until they're later in their career, they always use standard tuning, you know, and 
that's why you have yeah, that more that friendly too. sound that Metallica gave you rather <laughs> than Slayer and you know they definitely are more of a friendlier sound than Slayer. Yeah, yeah. and and I mean I, I I always feel like you can break their career up. It's like before the Black Album and sure. after the Black yeah. Album and maybe when I said I don't listen to them much anymore, I don't listen to the before the Black Album stuff as much anymore. I, I find myself Every once listening. While I'll, I'll put one on and yeah. I get pretty you know nostalgic about it, but. But no, I definitely listen to stuff like before, you know, Justice for All. Because eh, Justice for All, like, they were going through something as a band, you know, trying to replace, you know, they, had, yeah. they just brought Jason Newstead in the band. They buried the bass in, in the in the mix. It's a guitar album. Um, but, you know, the albums before that, you know. When I think of Metallica, I think more melodic. Yeah. Um, when they kicked Dave Mustaine out of the band, they took a lot of speed around, speed away from the band. Sure. And, you know, Kirk Hammett brought in a lot of melodic sound, especially from that wah-wah pedal that he makes so often in every song. Um, it's part of his sound. Yeah. Um, it's part of Metallica's sound. Dave Mustaine didn't have that part. I don't, I, Dave definitely shredded more. Definitely. Yeah, Dave, he definitely yeah. shredded more. Definitely more of a shredder. But the step between, like, Kill em All and Ride the Lightning, is that's a huge step forward. Like, Kill em All, I think you said earlier, it was like more of like a punk kind of sound, like a hardcore. Yeah, the production of it was yeah. real low. They're and, really and, raw band. Yeah. Back then. And, and Ride the Lightning just sounds like technically more complicated. Yeah. Like, there's, just more, there's more going on. Yeah. But it's just like, you know, you, you, you kind of grow with your albums. And especially that band, especially, that they, like, you could see in their first album where that road was going to go. And then by that second album, yeah. They were they were on that road, going forward, and you know, and I feel like even I mean the blackout. By the time the black album comes out, they're not a thrash band anymore. No, right? A, they they've changed and they've uh, they're, they're still not a heavy commercial. metal band, right? Yeah, they're still a heavy metal band. I mean, Justice was a thrashy album. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. surprised to read how many like critics crapped on that album. Like to, like on the black uh, album. Yeah, no, the uh, Justice for, for All. It like, sounds. It, there's a sound to it that's that's legendary. That it sounds like shit. Yeah, yeah. like and I wrote, there's no bass in it. And I wrote some of the and it's interesting you guys said that that there's no bass in it because of a reason that that yeah because Cliff, right, Cliff Burton had died yeah right so it was they're replacing him but also like to some of the notes I wrote down it was like ambitious clumsy it's a really long album like there's seven of the songs are more than six minutes long yeah. it is kind of. I don't know. I always thought that. I always saw that as like one of the iconic heavy metal albums ever made. But you got to think of like what they're coming off. They're coming off of like one of their best friends dying, part of their family dying. Sure. And one thing that I read is um, when Jason recorded that album, he wasn't in Metallica yet. He was a hired musician just to fill in whatever he did in there. So he didn't really enjoy the band until he like, I think they were torn in Japan and they asked him to, you know, finally, like, yeah, Yeah. why are you not in the band? In the band, you know. Um, Metallica, the, you know, they're they're one of the big band. Rolling Stone put them sixty one out of a hundred bands. Absolutely, the the Black Album was on the Billboard chart for five hundred and fifty weeks. Yeah, that's that was a ten and album. a half years. It was yeah. on, and I know the the bottom half of the Billboard Top two hundred. You know, it's like Dark Side of the Moon is always yeah, there. And that, yeah, yeah. But it was like I think it was the fourth longest running album of all time, and two of the for two of the three ahead of it were like greatest hits albums. Sure. So it was like like, yeah. like studio the Eagles, like the Eagles' greatest hits yeah, album. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Like uh, uh, 
Bob Marley's Greatest Hits yeah. was on there. So I think yeah. it was like this and like Dark Side of the Moon were the two longest yeah. running albums of all time. It's a masterpiece. It really is. Um, I think their their other albums are masterpieces. No, everything like majority of the stuff that they do are masterpieces. Um, even early on, like Ride the Lightning. Oh, that's um, a great album. Can you put on Fade to Black, Bruce? Yeah, dude. This like, is one of just, my favorite songs. Just the way how when they're just being instrumental. Well, you know, listen to that song. It's funny because Metallica got a lot of shit for doing the Black Album and they did like Nothing Else Matters and the Unforgiven. Unforgiven in that song are in the same exact tempo. It's probably might be in the same key. Yeah, you could sing the lyrics to Unforgiven over that. Yeah. I think that's why everybody liked the Unforgiven more on that album, on the Black Album, than other songs because it reminded everybody of the Cliff Days. But yeah. they and they were so big. Was was it like cool to crap on them? Right, because the black album people crapped on it because it was a fade away from the other stuff, and then they cut their hair. Yeah, and but, then it was a crap on that, and then they, they, you know, like there's but, there's steps in their career yeah. where everyone just goes like, oh, what? Like you sell out. That's like the black album. A lot of people jump ship when the black album came out. It was like, oh, these guys sold out, and this and that. Well, you know, the the MTV doing start doing more videos. But it's hard to kind of like at this stage of the game, at the age that we're at, I it's I don't really separate them anymore. Well, Lars, you know? like, and I read a quote from Lars when he said, "Like, yeah, we did sell out. We sold out like Wembley yeah, Stadium. Yeah. We saw every gig. Yeah, yeah every I think night. You brought that we, up yeah, on one episode. We saw like, every gig. Yeah. I mean, and they they without them, man, they they pull all this stuff forward. And the other guys in the in the other three bands we're talking about tonight, they mentioned that like. Metallica's on a whole different stratosphere than oh, any God. of that. Than any at band. this point. Even if you look at like the the uh the C D or the D V D cover for the big four, I mean Metallica is sure. it's, it's, it was, you know, it's the other three. You know, and like, they acknowledge that and they're cool with yeah, it. Yeah. It was their show. It was yeah, a Metallica absolutely. show. Yeah. And it was like the three other bands were their opening act. Yeah. yeah. But it was fine. Yeah, yeah and they, they get it and everyone's yeah, cool yeah. with it. Yeah. But it was great. It was dude, it was all their equipment. It was it was Without them, they wouldn't play Yankee yeah. Stadium or all these big other venues that they played. You know, do you think all these bound, bands sound the same? No, no, I think no, they have very not. distinct. They're sounds. all different. Yeah, that's um, like you know, like like going back to Anthrax. They're definitely the thrash band of this. Megadeth might be the most technical band out of all of them. Then you got Slayer, who's dark, and then you got Metallica. And, I don't know how else to say. I don't want to say the poppy version of all these bands. They, but they definitely took more risks than these other bands did. Of course, they Metallica did. Yeah. did. You know, by yeah. making like, you know, the Load album and the Reload album, they made they they took some gutsy. Well, they, well, they were the orchestral most stuff that they did the S and M albums. And yeah, they, I was yeah. listening today. Yeah. The um, they did like the acoustic album, and it was like to raise money for like a school or sure. something. Yeah, yeah it was like. But you got to think about that. They're the most relevant band out of all all these bands. Sure. They're the most commercial success. They can reach a broader audience. They have the fan base, you know. So, yeah, you like, know, like you know, they're a band that made it big, made it super big by being underground. 
you know, all those first albums that metal up your ass was yeah. their their demo. Yeah. And, you know, through Lars, Lars is a brilliant guy. Through all the networking that Lars did, the tape trading of that tape got around all over the world. Um, I don't know how many of them were made, but you see them popping up here and there every once in a while. Um, They're the first band to have five studio albums debut at number one. So, yeah, like, I mean, yeah. they're one of the biggest band, biggest rock and roll sense, bands yeah. in the world. Yeah. Dude, and, like, we, we talked on another show, like, their last album is one of the best albums they did since the Black Album. Yeah, I love the last album. Could we play a song off it? Yeah, dude. Play Hardwire. I still think they keep it heavy after all these years, man. They never, like, they lighten up, but they still bring it. They, yeah. This album is fantastic. Dude, when this album came out, Hardwire, Self Shock, I must have, I, as an adult, I haven't listened to an album and listened to it over and over and over and over again. When a band came out with an album, there's something that struck me like, this is the greatest thing this band has done in 20 years. I, for for a band that a lot of people crap on and say that they're sellouts and they got soft, it's pretty goddamn yeah. heavy. And that was five years ago. I think this, this album... Surprise the shit out of everybody. I think it did too, and I, that had a lot to do with Rob Trio joining the band. This is like, like, like the first full album I think he played on. Like he didn't even play on some kind of monster. It was absolutely horrible. Death Magnetic was a good album. That's true. Death Magnetic was a great album, but this album just has something special about it. For, and I heard that they're actually recording a new album now. I hope. For, I hope it's true. For yeah. a bunch of dudes who are sixty, and even doing the research, I mean, if you found the memes of like James Hetfield walking out of like an Armani store and his yeah. like, flip flops, yeah, hey. I was like, who gives a shit, man, dude? You no, you know. he can, yeah, he can, he can. But you know, uh, it was interesting. Megadeth and Metallica share a song, right? Yeah. So, so Mechanics was originally a song by Metallica that Dave Mustaine wrote, and after he was fired. It became the song The Four Horsemen. And then Dave Mustaine went back and recorded Mechanics with Megadeth. So let's play both of them. Okay. All right, so here's The Four Horsemen. This is on the Kill 'em All album. All right, so and now let's play Mechanics by Megadeth. Let's see how similar this is.
when Dave got the album Kill 'Em All, he started listening. And it was like they still using my riffs. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. like you know, both those songs, like, like they're definitely the same song. But Dave just blows, blows it. I think Dave blows it out of the water. I'm surprised yeah. there wasn't you know, like a lawsuit over that or anything. I just think they let it be, and they both have writing credits. Yeah, I think you got to look at the liner notes. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm it sure has Dave's. Uh, yeah, on there. You know, I, I wonder if any of these big four shows, Dave just played his version and told everybody go fuck yeah. themselves. Like, I'm gonna I've play. seen um video of them playing that song in like 2019. Yeah, they so he still plays it. Mm. Um, yeah, great song. Um, is that it? Metallica. Let's play another. Some? Let's play one more Metallica song. Yeah, sure, dude. Um, to give a, a great way of saying how Lars is in the pocket, I think what makes Metallica different. They all hit together. Lars plays along with the riff, um, especially with cymbal hits. Um, they all break at the same time. They all sway at the same time. They all move at the same time. He, Lars doesn't overplay. Like a lot of these other metal drummers overplay. Like, great, Dave Navarro is an awesome drummer. Mm-hmm. He's great. But does is he? would he be a great drummer in Metallica? No. No, I don't think so. Because... Like they're all as one. It sounds like Slayer. They're all playing a different song. Yeah. So Metallica, they all sound like they're playing the same song. They all make the same hits. They all look at that. Let's let's play a little bit Harvester of Sorrow right off the beginning. They all crashing together. So I was going to ask you what in the pocket meant, but I think just hearing that yeah. heard that. So there, yeah. that is four guys playing as a band and not like Slayer. What it was like, just four guys playing, four musicians just playing doing their, own their, thing. their own thing. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of people say, I when we were doing research for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame show, we talked about the Foo Fighters, and people say that Dave Grohl is the greatest rhythm guitar player of all time. James Hetfield is the greatest rhythm guitar player. Of he plays all time. some great riffs. He does. He's, it's just it's his band. Like as much people say, it's it's him and Lars' it's, band. It's, it's him his and brainchild. Lars's band. Yeah, definitely. Um, they're the champions of thrash metal, Metallica. Yeah, and in modern rock and roll. But is it okay to have acoustic guitar? In well, that's another songs? thing. I, that's another thing I wanted to say. Like Kirk Hammett brought so much to Metallica after Dave Mustaine left. They, it, it just turned into a, to a, another band. Like you were saying, it got real melodic. Dave would never be able to pull off that stuff, that slow hand stuff that Kirk was doing, you know? No, Dave's a little bit more... He's too edgy. Yeah, he's too high intense. Yeah. Like, and Kirk Hammond's a really laid-back fucking dude. Yeah. You, you know? can see it in his playing. Yeah. And Dave know? Mustaine, like, didn't like him for a long time, right? He was always oh, like, you Would you like somebody job. who got famous yeah, off of you? Right. You know? Right, he was like, you got famous playing my riffs yeah. and everything. Like and then Dave they just like, excelled and went like, somewhere else. Like Dave like, put all the work in to like start the band, and they kick him out. And then basically Kirk Hammett comes into a perfect situation. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, it was like, here's the songs, here's, you know. And they, and they, they made nice with each other when they finally do the big four yeah, show like and they all got on later. stage together. So, yeah, yeah but was, when Kirk came in, he was like, he was told to be in that band. Like, you know, management came together and everything like that. And it just, it wasn't like, oh, we'll get this guy. No, he. No, they, they wanted him. They scouted him out. Yeah. It was great that they, they all, um, drove to New York City. Mm hmm. And then they made Dave leave. But what do they do? They fly Kurt They're out. Back, yeah. They spent all this money to fly Kurt out to, to make the first album. Because they really want him in the band. Yeah, he was a great add-on. I don't, I don't think anybody else could have took his place. You know, look at all the big four, all these guitar players. Do you think any of them could have been in Metallica? No. And that's why Metallica is still around today. Kirk Hammett has a lot to do with that. Yeah, I he's mean, one of my favorite. I got. I'll go on yeah, record. He's yeah. one of my favorite guitar yeah. players of all time. I mean, does he use the wah wah pedal? It's always thrown in everybody's live, face live live during live shows yes i agree with you but recordings um I, I i'm gonna say no i don't think he i i think i think he does i mean it's a very stripped i'm not i'm not no no i know you're not gonna, no no i know no. i know you're not but like live wise i agree with you i think he he uses way too much wall of time but on recordings i think he tries to divert to diversify his his playing with every these, album i think these last two albums he knows the the wah is his sound so he, he evolved into it. You know, then. Yeah. I think they embraced it. I think especially yeah. um, he uses so well. I don't notice it that, mm -hmm. you know, the last two albums. Um, well, Death Night was made by Rick Rubin. And, and what Rick did with Bob Rock would not let them do mm -hmm. is strip down. Yeah. It's like let them strip down to just their instruments. You know, Bob Rock made them into this like absolutely huge rock and roll. He made band them what they are today with overdubs and yeah and um you know all these other sounds going on on the album like loops and everything yeah. like that. But the last two Hardwire Self Destruct and and um well Rick Rubin didn't do that. No, you're yeah, right. Yeah. You're right. He but, didn't do that. But the thing is though, where you're saying about Rick Rubin made him do like tell him to break it down this and that. Rick Rubin tried to get his name taken off that album. Yeah. All but Death Magnetic. I don't know why. It was a great album. Yeah. He, he just, that was, that think, was a great album. Yeah, yeah, I just think Rick Rubin. I don't know. They tried to make that classic Metallica album, which yeah. that's what Rick Rubin was aiming to do. See, Rick Rubin just shows up, and he takes yeah. credit for everything. Yeah. But on that, on that album, you have like seven-minute songs. That's that classic Metallica, Metallica you, songs. You know what I mean? That's what they were trying to do. I, I think the best thing that he did is let them just be Metallica. Yeah. You know, Bob Rock was trying to make them into this Pop band. Bon Jovi band. He did well. You know? They did well with it. Yeah. They yeah. the biggest band in the world. Who's bigger than Metallica? No, but they, it just, they just work too much with them. And there's only, when you work with somebody that long, especially a producer, you can only take them so far and you have to move on. And they made the right choice by moving forward. Oh, they were know? making it. Asses out of himself with Bob Rock. Why, yeah, but they were still selling out. Yeah. No, by letting no, him play that bass. that was the biggest mistake. And he, yeah, I that's why that album that. failed. Like, you know, he, like Bob Rock's a town musician by himself. No, but you, you don't sneak your way into a band. And I oh, think that he, he uses influences to sneak his way in a band. And I thought that was kind of weak that he did I that. Think, I think Dave, I mean, I think. Um, but um, Bob Rock is a brilliant musician, though. He's great. And Metallica yeah. wouldn't make as far as they did. Without them, yeah. Did they stick with them too long? Sure. I th yeah. Well, they, yeah. They, it was comfortable. Everybody was in their comfortable zone. Like he this is what we do. He definitely got them from that that Injustice for All era into like mainstream. Yeah. Everybody knows yeah. them. Yeah, because like, yeah, Bob Rock did the Motley Crue album, Doctor Feelgood. That's how he got that job. You know, but 
I don't th- like. I don't know. Rick we, we Rubin. Go- Rick Rubin has a big part of thrash metal. Absolutely. You know, I don't know how he how he made it through there. Rick Rubin got Kerry King to play on the Beastie Boys song. Yeah. You know, Rick Rubin has a lot in with um, hip hop, but you know, we're doing all of our homework here. Like, look at all the work he did through thrash metal. Yeah. Sure. He definitely worked with with all diverse bands, but you know, he. Like you said, he just comes in, sits down, somebody like passes him his bong or whatever, and he lays there and fucking takes credit. But that's not the first time we said this. On no, the show. no, we brought we've trashed we've trash canned him a couple times. I hope Metallica makes another album, the tour when all this COVID shit's done, and we'll get to see him again. I'll go hit the road and see them wherever they go. I'd go see anybody alive at this point. Yeah, anybody, even Slayer. I uh, maybe. <laughs> If you could have a fifth band, what would it be? In this category? Pantera. Big five. Pantera. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the add on to that. It's like, but I it's agree like we're with playing that. a game here. You have to go. Pantera was a little bit too young. So I, in that in that era? In that era. Like Okay. All right. We didn't talk about this ahead of time, but I was like Googling what if the guys in the big four said somebody else, then yeah. a lot of them said Exodus. Exodus. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Me, I personally say suicidal tendencies. You know, that's funny you bring that up. Uh, I was listening to some early Anthrax stuff, and you can definitely, well, even though suicidal tendencies was around for a very, very, very long time, you could hear the they're, same kind yeah, of They're both funk. skate. Yeah. yeah. You hear that same yeah, funk, especially in the bass playing. You know, And they're, they're I think they're largely forgotten but their influence into like rock rap music, you mm-hmm. know, like and and Rob from Trujillo uh, is, yeah. you know, was in that band for a long time. And Mike Muir did some really cool kind of stuff. They were really ahead of their time. They are. They're a great band. They yeah. don't. Get, they don't even get nearly the credit that they deserve. Yeah. Is it moshing or thrashing? It's moshing. Moshing. Yeah, I think it's thrashing. I like that. Well, what about slam dancing? The slam. I didn't think of slam dancing. So I think, it was, I think it was slam dancing, and then it became moshing. Yeah, like like the slam dance, slammy man, like you know. Slam but then as like the nineties came around, then the mosh pit came yeah. around. It was definitely slam dancing before, but no, yeah. Let's get some um, honorary mentions to thrash metal. We just talked about Exodus; they were a big band, great band. Testament. They're a great band. Yeah. They're another scary band, though. Definitely. They're definitely a scary band. Overkill. I always liked them. I always liked Overkill. I yeah. liked their guitar. Yeah. Death Angel. They're, they're heavy. They're, I just saw them open for Anthrax maybe five years ago. That's right. You did. They were fucking awesome. You said awesome. they were great. Yeah. I, had, I have a picture with the singer and everything. I was really hammered. It was a great time. <laughs> Motorhead's definitely a thrash band. Definitely, definitely, definitely think, a thrash band. Yeah. I think they're the bridge. Yeah, they're from the like bridge. That era exactly. of British like, to America. Like what you said earlier. Like this, this. Yeah, they're definitely that bridge. Do you remember Metal Church? Yeah, they yeah. were a great band. Venom. There's, they haven't they, really put much albums out, but they have a very loyal like fan base from the past. They're like, a very dark band, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Their name came up in my research a lot, and I didn't. Care, care enough to yeah. go listen to Yeah. Them. And we talked about Sepatour. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about Pantera, which I think um, when Doug was talking about how in 1991, when the Black Album was put out, that Pantera was so pissed off that they made such a soft album. They put out 
vulgar display of power. Yeah. So that's a bridge between like cowboys from hell to vulgar display there's of power. Dude, there's a huge difference between cowboys from hell Absolutely. and vulgar display of power. Yeah. There's a huge cowboys from hell fits more in this in this bucket that we're talking about, yeah. and vulgar display of power was like just something completely different. We, me and Ryan were coming back from Pittsburgh to see from seeing a Metallica show, and we just listened to metal back and forth, so, me, listening to Metallica all the way up. But then we switched it up coming home, and we listened to vulgar display of power, and we both came to the conclusion: this is the album that changed metal. Yeah, it I changed agree. metal to what, like became, another volume. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's another most, chapter, dude. It's definitely like you know that album is definitely one of the most important albums. Yeah, nothing of metal so- albums. Nothing sounded like that. Yeah. That's just as important as like you know, Ride the Lightning. Yeah, or Master of Puppets. Anyway, you yeah. know. Yeah, I agree. But um, I was like having some fun. It's like, what was the first thrash metal song you could think of? What what was? It would definitely be Anthrax. You think so? In my mind. For me personally, it would definitely be an anthrax. I'm going to go back to the 70s, which I think is the first thrashing song is by a band you wouldn't even think of. I thought you were say like Thin Lizzy or something. No, like that. it's I know actually. I got it. Ready? It's, it's, it's this. It's a band called Queen, and it's Stone Cold Crazy. Metallica covered this. That's like that's a lot of guitars, yeah. man, piled yeah. up on that. I remember being a kid and I bought the Enter Sandman because the album wasn't out yet for the Black Album, and I bought the single for Enter Sandman. It was on cassette tape. I and had the, it too. And the B side was so crazy. Yeah, and when he died, he he and they did, James Hetfield yeah. did that with the other guys and from was, the band. And it was so weird, like to see James up there singing without a guitar in his hand, even though like he he's mm-hmm. done it before, like in his career. But if you never heard the Metallica version of Stone Cold Crazy. Dude, listen to it. It is heavy. It is great. So is that it, man? The I don't know, the- man. The Big Four show is the greatest show I've ever seen. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. A lot of good people. You know what's really funny about this show? So we're going in a show, and they're making everybody pull off their leather like bracelets oh, yeah. and spike stuff. So you see all kinds of shit like, <laughs> like in front of the thing. So we're going into the show. So it's kind of starting. So you see all these metalheads around. And we're getting kind of like, oh, what, what is this going to be like? This is, this is just going to be like just a rough rough show so we get in there i'm like oh man dude everybody's old now like we're all like in our 30s and 40s and one thing that really uh stuck it to me with that show is that people are kind of moving around and then you see this old woman who's an usherette and she's just playing around with everybody she's like you go sit over there and you go sit over there and this and that and everybody's like yes ma'am no man it was just a it was just a nice feeling that it was a really nice community show. When you think you're walking for the into one big thing, four of thrash metal. Yeah, everybody was smoking cigarettes or whatever they wanted to. That's the one thing that kind of was kind of like, oh, yeah. well, that shouldn't really be happening. But um, it was a very friendly show. Everybody was really right. super cool. What was the last match pit you were in? 
I was at the big four. I was in the mosh You're pit. In, the yeah, big I, four. yeah, you were away. From, what the hell was the last mosh pit I was in? You ever hurt in a mosh pit? Was yeah. I ever hurt in a mosh pit? Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Bruce? Racing against yeah. machine. Uh, yeah. White zombie. Somebody picked me up and threw me, and <laughs> and I hit some guy. His teeth hit me right in oh, the forehead, Lord. and I had a cut, and my my I had a huge like knot on my head. Holy shit. Yeah, Thunderkiss '65. Uh, I remember. <laughs> I remember the song. Somebody picked me up and threw me. How how long ago was that? I was like ninety one. Oh wow, yeah. you were younger. Dude, I've, you were a young I've kid. Been in a mosh pit in a long time, dude. But yeah. yeah, like, do you ever remember getting hurt? Yeah, totally. I was. I was at a the last time, except for the Big Four. The last time I was in a mosh pit was at the Deftones. Is the surround oh, the fur the round right. the fur tour? Okay, it had to be nineteen ninety eight. Okay, and. Uh, I jumped in the in the pit and I'm rolling around and I rolled my ankle. Oh shit! I do remember that. And, I and, remember and that. I, yeah. And I hurt myself and I couldn't like work the next day. I remember. And I that. got in huge trouble. I remember because I'm like fucking 22 years old and in a pit. And, right. You were and then, yeah. and then my dad's eyes. I'm an asshole. Now, when you were in the big four mosh pit, how long did you last? I, you know, I was like. Dumping into it like a pool, like you're in the pool for like five <laughs> minutes, you get out, you know. But it's funny, I was on on the floor or on, on, on the, the field. field, and that's cool to be in Yankee it Stadium on the cool. field. I was yeah. standing like in center field. That's great. Um, anthrax came on, and it was amazing. Like I said earlier in the show, is Anthrax Day, and to see the faces on those guys, and to jump in the pit with. With, you and, have to, and you have to. It was a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah. Um, on Anthrax Day, on Anthrax Day, especially in New I York could, City, I was so close to them. I could see like the smiles on their faces. That's the gig. That's the gig of their lives. It was, and, and yeah. Scott Ian talks a lot about it in his book. Um, they took like pictures forever after their set. They, they? they took like a million pictures. Megadeth came on, and I was like, "All right, this is pretty, yeah, pretty good." In, yeah. And I slowly start seeing all the Slayer fans start showing up. <laughs> start slithering into No, the- they start all slowing up, and I, I'm all by myself, and I felt like the only kid in the schoolyard. <laughs> like, I felt like all the older kids were going to come and beat me up. So now, like, Slayer's coming on. Like, you know, I, I text Doug. I'm like, are you guys, do you have a seat next to you? <laughs> yeah, we saved a seat for him. So, I'm like, Ryan's going to come so up So I go soon. all the way up Yankee Sea. I'm sitting, like, the third level now i'm like now our seats we were on the first level i don't we were remember on the, yeah we were on the first level i we remember i was really scared shitless to be down there when yeah, we had really was on. i was afraid i was gonna get snuck yeah like you that know yeah. like i'm on the field by myself i got no one around me and i got all these sweaty smelly slayer fans it, it must have been a <laughs> it must have been a different world from in the pit than where we were sitting because i saw nothing but fucking really nice people the whole Dude, time we were there. it was <laughs> insane i go up we go upstairs slayer comes on the sun's going down the floor looks like it's moving, but it's all. And that's what I remember. Like, the we're whole drinking all day, you know. Floor is a pit. The whole field is a pit. Yeah. I was said to myself, "Thank God I got out of that." And that shit. was like when I had, but that that moment, like, "Oh my God, Slayer's awesome!" Like, dude, everything was just, it was insane. It was absolutely insane. Yeah, when Metallica came on, they flexed their muscles and said, "We are the best band in the world." Watch us. You said that earlier. Now I remember leaving that show, never seeing Slayer before or anything like that. I personally thought that Slayer blew Metallica off the stage. Maybe mm. because it was my first exposure to yeah, them, and it was so intense. I just watched the Metallica show today from the Bronx, and it was pretty fucking awesome. I'm sure it was. I mean, Slayer played for like an hour. They had yeah. They did they all play? They all had about an hour. About an hour. Metallica had two hours, of course, because it's yeah. all their equipment, it's right. their lights, it's their yeah. it's their gig. But yeah, there was definitely. 
the second most popular fan besides Metallica at that show Slayer. was definitely Slayer. Definitely. I mean, that's why they were second band. The, yeah. To, to huh. close the show. Yeah. It was a huge, huge, huge show. I hope they do it again sometime. Maybe for 50 years. Maybe. We'll go back to Yankee Stadium. So you if, they'll back together. if they'll have us. All right. That's it for the big four, man. All right, I got I got a little bit of listener feedback. I don't know if any, you guys got anything, but um, we had uh, Scott from Ronkonkoma, New York, said, I started listening to your show with the Springsteen episode, and I'm just curious. Do you guys, like, listen to any current music at all? Sure. Uh, was it Dirty Honey? Did, have you heard them yet? No. They're like an they're, they're on MMR. Uh, they're they're just a junkie rock band from LA. Okay. They're Johnny uh, John Cool and Termi on them. They're a really good band. Okay. There's a, a heavy metal band that I really like. They're called Mastrodon. Um, I saw them open for Primus last yeah, year. Yeah, they're they're a fucking awesome band. Yeah. They're like one of my newer favorite bands. All right. They're really heavy. If you want a, a new heavy band to listen to? Check out Mastrodon. I'm I'm actually a little I'm going to be the dissenting voice here. I actually listen to more country music as I've gotten older. I listen. Yeah. I am. I'm wearing a John Deere sweatshirt and drove my pickup truck here, and I brought Ryan and Doug fresh eggs from my chickens. But um, <laughs> he is not lying. He actually yeah. brought chicken fresh brought, eggs. Brought yeah. Fresh eggs for um, his chickens. Yeah, I, I've been listening to a lot of like country music. I just find that it's uh, just a happier, happier genre of music right now. And considering what's going on in the world, I just find it much more enjoyable. No, so, I find myself listening a little bit more country music these days myself. I, I watch the Grand Old Opry every Saturday night. Live and, uh, you know, it's all good. But let me get one more statement out of here. Yeah, sure. Guys, is thrash metal an American thing? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. British metal is British metal. Yes. Yes. But thrash metal. Absolutely. Is an American thing. Yep. Come and fucking fight me over it. Yep. No sure. doubt. I have no no. You're 100% no debate, correct. So. so that's all I wanted to get out. Absolutely. This is America, damn it. And we are thrash metal fans. You know what else is American is the electric chair. Yes. Whoa. So it's my turn, right? Is it your turn? I think it is. Oh, now. So the electric chair is sponsored by... Lunacy Brewing Company, located in Haddon Heights, New Jersey. 500 West Kings Highway in Haddon Heights, New Jersey. That's correct. They're also at lunacybrewingcompany.com. So the electric chair is where we pick a song to die for just being a song worthy of dying. And... um, this week, man, I, I got to pick WAP by Megan The Stallion and Cardi B. I'm, I'm so I'm so tired of hearing about this fucking song. And you know There's what, man? Like, they house. make this huge deal about this song being offensive and terrible. This is like the song of the year. Music has been pissing people off for a hundred years. What happened to the Me Too moment? Right. Well, and they got like, this shit fucking rolling. You're absolutely right. Like, you know, everybody's so uptight. About like how their kids are being raised and what's acceptable in the United and what people are watching and what's acceptable. This is not. They were in the Grammys like scissoring each other, which hey, I didn't really mind it being a forty-four-year-old pervert, but like you know, imagine some some fourteen-year-old girl or boy watching this. Like it's not acceptable. And this is and this is what's acceptable in this country right now. No, but yeah. I think it's excusable. It's a big contradiction. Absolutely, it's it's like it's like oh, do what I do, but don't don't do, do as I say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 This is a, this is we're, we're artists. No, well, they're far from right. it. Yeah, it's it. I have a, I have trouble settling reconciling the Me Too movement and the oh, this is empowering 
yeah. kind of stuff. And I'm like, dude, take all the politics out of it. I just think the song sucks. It sucks. Yeah. But, and like, I'm tired of hearing but like it. what you're saying, like take all the pox. That means everybody's full of shit because everybody likes this song. Where everybody's saying like this and that, and where everybody's full of shit. Right. I never heard this song. Yeah, I. Uh, no, I swear to God, I never heard. I've this. only heard it a couple of times myself. But I know it's a big hit. Let me hear uh, a second. Yeah. Let me hear a second. Dude, I punched that girl right <laughs> back in her head. I punched that girl right in her head. <laughs> I don't even want to look. If I see how many times this song has been played oh, on Spotify, oh, will it tell me? In the millions. I can't see it. All right, fuck yeah. it. Let's just... Fuck uh, Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's like 40 remixes of that song yeah. on Spotify, too. Holy That's shit. That's the first Dude. time and the last time that song will ever be played in this bar. Ugh. God, I hate her. I still can't believe like they think that she has talent. I think it's all because of her boobs. I think, you know, hey, and let's not forget, she used to drug people and, and steal their, their money. money. Yeah. Let's that. not forget that. I saw that Jennifer Lopez movie that she was a yeah. stripper. Dude, yeah. she did that shit. Yeah. She was in that movie, Carly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Her, her voice alone just drives me crazy. Yeah, so yeah. let's put her on a commercial with Wayne and Garth, too, during yeah. the Super Bowl, oh. selling Doritos. Slop. Okay. All right, so that's it for episode 15. So uh, we had our 2,000th listener this week. I mean, that's really that's cool. Impressive. Wow. Yeah, so People like us. I mean, there are so many podcasts out there, and the fact that you guys are spending a couple hours with us in your ear every other week, that, that's just awesome, man. We're, we're honored, and we work really hard to make sure that we earn a spot in your headphones. You know, we, we put a lot of work into this every other week, so thank you. Um, you know, if you like... If you listen to us and you like us, please tell your friends, leave a review, and if you want to spread the word, uh, well, you know what, speaking of that, we have, we have stickers now. Our logo is pretty kick-ass if we do say so ourselves, and and at this point, if you just want a sticker, just contact us. Just reach out through Twitter or Facebook or email, and we'll send you a couple of them. You know, uh, Hopefully in, in eight months, we're big enough that we can't just honor that request if you listen to this episode in hindsight. But as of right now, just reach out, and we'll, we'll send you a couple stickers. Yeah, maybe you'll uh, see your stickers on the subway or around yeah, I've Philadelphia. Them, I've been sticking them around. Yeah, and, and uh, how do you do that? Well, it's funny. You should ask. You know, We're on Facebook at Prisoners of Rock and Roll. We're on Twitter at Prisoners of Rock. You can email us at prisoners of rock and roll at gmail.com. Um, you know, we'll we'll be back in two weeks. I guess we gotta settle up and figure out what we're gonna do next. We've we've been all over the place the last couple <laughs> I weeks. I love it. I love it. Yeah, we're, we're, like we yeah. we're like a smorgasbord. Going from Sinatra <laughs> to Slayer, man. To Cardi B. To Cardi B <laughs> is all over the place. So um all right guys, so that's it. We'll be back in two weeks. Pecan rewind. Keep on rocking. Peace out. At the Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. 
During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com slash workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 